Welcome to the Plastic Please Restore Podcast. We are your hosts, Trey the Explainer. And me, Miles Greb. A podcast about the natural world. Things that people claim are part of the natural world. And things that used to be. Trey, we're back with another episode, and I just wrote a brand new song about dinosaurs. That's right, that's right. We're back, and you got the got the theme song. I don't know if I'll put my new song I wrote about dinosaurs in the episode, but if I do, people will love it because it is a great song that's enthusiastic and accurate. <laughs> I agree. I've heard it and, it, and it's and it's really great. It's yeah. Like legitimate. Because <laughs> you see, a lot of dinosaur names rhyme, so you can just write a song really easy about dinosaurs. <laughs> the only uh, the dinosaur song that sticks out in my head. Have you ever heard the uh, dinosaurs, biggest trees? Brains like peas. You ever hear that? <laughs> I haven't, but I wish that I had. Claws in, or was it claws in moths and something? I know, something. you know, everybody do the dinosaur. I know oh, that's of course. Of course. <laughs> and I know the theme song to the television show Dinosaurs. Uh, I do not know that. See, that's that's yeah. a little bit before my time, but I know yeah. I know what you're talking about. That's a great show. It ends with the meteor hitting and they all die. Right? I, I remember hearing something. That's the one thing I've heard about. Is that like, is it, is it the Ice Age or is it the meteor? I don't remember. They all die. <laughs> they all die. They canonically die in the end. I think it was the Ice Age, actually, now that we say that. But we'll yeah, they the all, they're all dead. The Ice Sorry. Age. Sorry, dinosaurs. <laughs> it happens. Oh, it happens. Extinction happens. So, so what have you been up to, my friend? You working on a new video? I hear you getting close. I am, I am. I, get, I'm, I might finish tonight, depending on depending on things. Uh, how how long we talk about dinosaurs? <laughs> on, and also, I might I don't know I might go to bed because I got a I got a job interview in the morning. Which is oh shit! Oh yeah, you got I heard something about that. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I had I had my first interview. It was like a screening interview this morning, and then they're like, "All right, you mentioned the next round, next interview tomorrow." And I'm like, "Oh my gosh, <laughs> I need to recover from that." <laughs> Jeez, that sucks. Well, I hope you get it, buddy. Yeah, thank you, thank you. How, how have you been? Oh, I went to Comic Con oh, in yeah. Eastern Washington, which is the part of Washington that doesn't look anything like Washington. Oh, what what does Eastern Washington look like? Is it uh, like plains? Yeah, you got plains and Trump signs. And uh, giant windmills. Um, you have some canyons. Um, on the way there, though, you go over the uh, Cascades, big old mountains. It w- I was in a giant rainstorm that about killed me. Oh um, it was the most rain you've ever seen in your life. I'm, I'm um, happy you survived. Oh, yeah, I can't be killed. Um, <laughs> I can't be killed. <laughs> and and there's what's cool about the Cascades, though, is there's all these big old ferns, you know, and like you always see big ferns and you think dinosaurs. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know why, but every time I see ferns, I'm like, there could be a dinosaur here. So, <laughs> why is that? Why do we associate ferns with dinosaurs? Am I the only one that associates ferns with dinosaurs? No, no, I, I do too. I think it's okay. like subconscious. I think it's, uh, I guess a lot of uh, like dinosaur media, they're like ferns were dominant at this time. And like, they don't want to use more modern plants. Yeah. Um, so like, I, I know the Jurassic Park uses a lot of ferns and then like walking with dinosaurs constantly uses ferns. Yeah. Well, they got, there was different kind of trees and stuff back then, but they're dead. But I think, I think now some, some botanist may tell me to shut up, but I think maybe ferns are part of a, like a longer tradition of plant body types that aren't around much anymore. And so yeah. they look more like an older type that would have been around. Cause I know some of the older trees that were in the olden days, have branches that are kind of like that don't look like modern pines and stuff so 
Yeah. No, I think in the, oh, I'd have to think, look it up, but like I know the Carboniferous, they had like literally like giant tree sized ferns in yeah. like the swamps. Um, and they yeah. Were like I, I've seen pictures of them. We did yeah, not research yeah. this. I'm just bringing this up. So if some of this is wrong, you know what, people, man, what, what can you do? There's a lot. To, there's a lot to know. I have friends who are like big uh, paleobotany people, and and I'm not one of them. I, yeah. I I just I don't get excited with with prehistoric plants. Unfortunately, I'm I'm sorry, everybody. <laughs> Speaking of which, we're going to be covering prehistoric planet this episode, not right. prehistoric plants. That's right. Hey, right there, right there. Yeah. <laughs> add a, add a, add an E to that, and then we'll, yeah. we'll talk about it. Because <laughs> E for excited, because we are excited about dinosaurs coming back to television. Me too. Yeah. This was this was awesome. I guess I'll save it for the the part, but this was like really big. It's the most excited I've been about dinosaurs in a long time. Heck yeah. Um, you know, we've been talking. We were gonna do this on the show for a while, so. You were excited for this. Well, here it is. It's the episode. But uh, before we get to things that died a really long time ago, Trey wants to talk about some people that died just a long time ago, not a really long time ago. That's right. That's right. R- relatively not that long ago. Uh, yeah, my first story here is it's on. It's a Pompeii DNA study. Uh, yeah, if people know about it. It's uh, it came out a little bit recently. I think uh, last month ish. And Miles is the one who told me about it. I got to credit him. Never would have known about this. <laughs> yeah, I didn't discover the story. I just read the headline. But thanks, buddy. <laughs> it uh, yeah. So it's a ancient DNA study on um, the uh, some two individuals that were found in the sort of uh, wreckage of of the Pompeii Mount Vesuvius eruption. Uh, people know about that. That's a pretty famous instance where a volcanic eruption destroyed Pompeii and, and Herculaneum to to Roman cities in in 79 AD. Yeah, and and there's a Doctor Who there's a Doctor Who episode about it. There is? Do, do they stop it? What do they do? I don't remember. I didn't like it. <laughs> oh, shoot. <laughs> <laughs> but there was. So it's worth mentioning. All I can think of with Pompeii now is there's like a stupid ad for something. I think it's like Siri or uh Alexa or whatever and it's like Alexa, what what time what year did Pompeii erupt or Mount Vesuvius erupt and it like has like people acting it out. It's all I can mm. think of now. Anyways, anyway, and that there was a um when Game of Thrones was big, there was a really bad movie called Pompeii, I think, with uh Jon Snow in it. Anyways, I'm digressing. <laughs> in the era of Game of Thrones. In the era when I the reason I say this because like when Game of Thrones was out, there was like all these imitations of it. Yeah, um, where they're like it, everybody's wearing black leather, and it's, it's like had historical. a very negative impact on writing and storytelling, <laughs> um, and just depiction of history in general. Yeah, I mean that's not even a criticism of your little show that you love, but I'm just saying that like it, the the copycats are there's a lot of them, and it's annoying. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. No, no, I, I'm totally on your on the same side here. Yeah. So, anyways, this volcanic eruption happened. It gave us the best preserved Roman town ever, in a lot of. Uh, human bodies where people were caught in the eruption and, and died, unfortunately. And this study uh, took two individuals, a male and a female, and tried to look at their uh, DNA to get the genetic profile of these people um, using more recent ancient DNA techniques. Because back in the day, uh, ancient DNA was so low coverage and everything was degraded that you couldn't really get much information out of it. But yeah. you know, 
it's it's great that this stuff's coming out. And even in this example, even in this paper, they only got I think they only got DNA from the male individual A. Individual mm. B, they got some DNA, but it was very low cover- coverage. So I think they kind of gave up on that one uh, or didn't give up. They had limitations of the data set. Uh, yeah. So the individuals, uh, they have pictures of them. They're two skeletons that were found in a uh, building. I forgot the name of the building. And individual A was a male. He was 35 to 40. He was five foot four. Was a, a little dude. Little dude. And I think the woman was actually pretty tall. She was over 50 and I forgot to write down her height, but she was, I guess I think, that was probably tall. normal height for the time period. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. We're big. We have infinite calories. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So this is an imperial era Roman. This is sort of the height of the Roman empire. Um, I gotta think who was the emperor at this time? People are going to flame me if I don't know. Hmm. I'll edit it. So it sounds like, you know, <laughs> so, I, so I'm really smart. Should yeah. I look it up real quick? Yeah. Just look it up and I'll, I'll okay. okay. So I got you. I got you. AD Roman Emperor. It was it was Titus. Oh, Vespasian. It was Vespasian. Okay. Oh, we, of we course it's Vespasian. You know Vespasian. He's one of my favorite emperors. <laughs> or wait, let me make sure this is actually Vespasian. No, 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 this is Vespasian's son, who is also named Vespasian. Oh yes, Vespasian the second. What a guy. <laughs> so if I was gonna die under the emperor, I would die under him for sure. <laughs> I had just rewatched the Godfather movies, I wanna point out, so <laughs> I can't. I can't I be held responsible. That was the Godfather of Trump. <laughs> no. Well, you know, he's a mafioso. <laughs> yeah. So this was under Vespasian. This is a big deal. Uh, Pliny the Elder, the famous writer, died in the eruption. Yeah. So their paper looked at the, these individuals for their genetic profile because there was a big, there was a really, really big paper I think by Stanford last year as well that studied like Roman Empire genetic uh components like uh, Mm -hmm. migration patterns and stuff and that was a big one and this i guess is a more smaller scale study um yeah because the thing with europe is um europe was colonized or or migrate humans migrated into europe like three different times um, sure in the past and there's a lot of smaller minor mass minor migrations but like the three there's three main mass migrations um that are like really apparent in the dna um, there was so the first ones are the Western European hunter gatherers, and they were like the OGs. They were the Paleolithic like cavemen that lived in Europe for like in in the Stone Age and stuff. Um, but after a little bit after them in the early Neolithic, there was we know that there was a migration of like Anatolian or Middle Eastern farmers mm-hmm. that crossed the the uh, Bosporus or uh, what's the other one. I don't know the the straits the straits near in in Turkey and stuff, um and and migrated into Europe and sort of mixed there was it's a mix there's a lot of theories on like what the colonization was like if it was violent if it was more uh, gradual if they were just like competed for resources and petered out um there's definitely a lot of there's definitely a bit of mixing and then so that's the farmer migration that's number two and then in the sort of late Neolithic towards almost the Bronze Age, there's the Yamnaya horse lord migration, um, which are the Indo-Europeans. Um, they rode on horses and they conquered a whole bunch of people. And yeah, because they had horses. They had horses. They did. Which and are they, which evolved in the Americas. By the way. That's right. Isn't that weird? Yeah. I, so, I, I learned that surprisingly recently. Yeah. Hor- horses evolved in America, in the Americas, then went extinct in the Americas went over and like changed the history of Europe and then we're reintroduced into the Americas and changed the history of the Americas again. Yeah. 
very weird very weird like history for horses you never yeah. would have expected that no it seems like a retcon but it's not it's, <laughs> it seems it's like canon. a retcon a like global uh paleolithic retcon <laughs> yeah yeah you're right i feel like i could hear that explanation for like some type of like lore thing in like a a, a universe yeah it'd be like trying to tell me that obi-wan kenobi left tatooine and went on all these missions oh, you know, whoa, some, ri- and- some ridiculous thing like that <laughs> I, I will agree with you. Oh gosh, no, I don't know if I want to talk about because I don't. Want yeah, to yeah, keep, keep, keep on going. Let, let's talk about anthropology. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So there was the the last one was the horse lord migration, and it's the modern Europeans. They're a mix of Rohan, these three. Rohan, Rohinians, Rohinians, right? Yeah, yeah, that's right, Rohinians. Yeah, um, they're a mix of each three of these, and, and most Europeans have a proportion of each of these three populations. Um, some, some people have more than others. Some people have more Yamnaya than other people or more, uh, the Anatolian actually makes up, I think the majority, the Western European hunter gatherers are pretty, they make up a pretty sm- smaller relative to the other ones. Uh, cause they're like more ancient and I guess they got replaced, uh, stronger, I guess. I don't know. There's, there's, this is a lot of the mysteries of prehistory. We'll never, I mean, know, yeah, there's a lot of mysteries of just the Saxon invasion and what actually happened in the ethnic groups of Europe that right. happened in the last, you know, 1400 years. So, yeah. And we're talking, we're for these ones, we're talking like literally, uh, I don't know, 4,000, 5,000 more in some cases, uh, history, genetic history and all this, yeah. all this, we probably wouldn't have known. Um, there's some like, uh, like pottery evidence of these migrations, but mm-hmm. like the DNA is like the strongest thing yeah. that we got. Yeah. So they were looking at these these individuals to see like okay of these ancestries like what do they got and uh, the results I'll be honest the results were kind of like kind of boring they're kind of like what I expected <laughs> for it where like the the individual from Italy matches people from Italy pretty yeah. pretty close um, they said that they were uh, genetically similar to modern Italians and Sardinians so and Sardinia is the island one of the islands off of Italy. Um, in the Mediterranean, mm-hmm. yeah, they said that the Y chromosome haplotype, so the the male line, is only found on Sardinia, not on the Italian mainland apparently anymore. Uh, and they said that the male lineage likely migrated to Italy during the Neolithic, um, and were part of that Anatolian farmer exp- expansion in the at that time. Yeah, so and then like they had pretty balanced uh, ancestry from from all three groups. Um, with some North African and East, uh, near Eastern ancestry. So middle Eastern as well, but it's like, it's all kind of mixed. Um, yeah. Well, so, so it looks like like inner Rome, what we normally associate with the Roman empire, you know, was like pretty much like what we thought, you know, they're, I don't know what word we want to use, but they're like Italian. Right. Right. Um, yeah. but, yeah. but of course there's also like the Byzantine empire and stuff and in Northern Egypt, which was part of Rome at one time. And I assume those areas were probably much more diverse. Yeah, no, definitely. And then the thing with the Stanford study that I read a while ago is that they showed they they took samples like a lot because this was a pretty small study. This is like two individuals. The Stanford one was actually like hundreds of them across like different mm. time periods. Like they did like Roman Republic, uh, like Imperial Roman height, Byzantine Rome, medieval Rome, and, and showed like the uh, uh, proportion changes and stuff. And their study actually showed something pretty interesting where there was um, the major gradual shift that happened is um, Near Eastern ancestry became more apparent in the empire Mm. during like the second century. Um, And it actually corresponds really cool to like the Severan dynasty, dynasty, which were 
um, they were more North African and then also like Syrian. So like it seems that the change in emperor to like a more Near Eastern emperor like encouraged Near Eastern people to migrate to to Italy and stuff. So that's kind of cool. Mm. Um, but then things returned back to to normal after after that that sort of dynasty fell in the Middle Ages. It kind of returned to the pre pre Roman levels of kind of diversity where it's it's pretty homogeneous to like Italians. Sure. Yeah. So it, it was all right. It was a good paper. You know, no, it's information. I mean. The, the whole event is kind of like locking a moment in time. Yeah. Um, you know, the people there don't like being locked in that moment of time. I think they hated oh, no. it. Oh, no. <laughs> um, but but for us, like, you know, we get to learn a lot about how people acted and and behaved and, and paired up and where they were from. Like, we don't really get to. There's not really anything quite similar to that. You know, like yeah. people are, are locked in ash in an instant. They're like, like frozen. You know, and like that's that's pretty amazing. I mean, you know, I, I guess I don't feel too much sympathy for him because it was so long ago, you know. Yeah. But um, but because they they obviously, you know, think it sucks, but it's pretty cool for us. Yeah, no, Pompeii, Pompeii is really unique in, in everything because like they have like the casts of the bodies that are really cool. The artwork of Pompeii is like incredibly well preserved. Yeah. Um, the funny thing about Pompeii is people were excavating Pompeii in like the Roman Roman times mm. and there's like uh, we have evidence of like looters climbing into tunnels and then the tunnels collapsing on them so we know we know that people died and then also there's some graffiti of of looters mm. in Pompeii as well or fucking they, looters man I wonder how many like or things or we lost archaeologists like all all the Egyptian stuff that is lost because of looters you know oh yeah it, it's frustrating it really is Oh uh, yeah, because there's a lot of there's a lot of tombs that unfortunately were looted. We're kind of lucky that that s- certain tombs survived because it, it's the lucky thing is people forgot about them, and it's only like us discovering way later that that's like oh thank goodness nobody knew about this. You can say a lot of bad things about the British Empire and colonialism, but the one thing they actually did good was go and get that shit. As like it was all getting just destroyed. Like the people that lived there didn't give a fuck about it, and like the fact that like. They found King Tut's stuff before looters did was I don't know. I think it's really good that that happens. Yeah, it depends on it depends on the researcher too because you get the you get so, you get some people like um, what was the guy's name that helped excavate uh, King Tut's tomb? He was really good. He was pretty decent for the time period as far as like cataloging things. And well, yeah, that's what's important. Like <laughs> we don't want people like Schleeman, you know, that just like do it selfishly and aggressively and destroy things. But like when things are actually safe for posterity, you know, I, I think that's a good thing. Yeah, Howard Carter. He was the the British archaeologist who worked on on King Tut. Yeah, uh, great job t- documenting thing. Um, and, but also, so the the individual had tuberculosis. They they found oh. that they found the DNA of tuberculosis. Well, that and, sucks, man. I hope he gets better. <laughs> I know he was he this poor guy. He, I don't. I guess it's which one's better. Tuberculosis kind of sucks. I guess burning to death is pretty bad. Okay, I'll say that's worse. <laughs> that's cooler. It is cooler. It is cooler to be turned into like an archaeological. I mean, like, how site. many people died of tuberculosis in Rome that year that we're talking about? Oh, probably tons. No, no, that we're talking about though. Oh no, 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 none. He's the. Only I don't know any of them. Don't know anything about him. <laughs> but I know this guy burned up in a volcano. Hella cool. So you know, it's his own yeah. mortality. <laughs> it's like some monkey paw mortality uh, immortality, but you know. It it's it is what it is. It is what yeah. It, it, is. it is what it is. <laughs> the explainer. Uh, I'm thinking of um the other examples where we have a volcano eruption and preserving a site. And the only thing I can think of is Santorini, which is 
a Minoan site and they were lucky enough to like notice that the volcano was erupting and they all got out of there. And so oh. there's no bodies in, in Santorini, but the, the buildings are really, really well preserved and stuff. Did you see that thing the person posted the other day? They're like, why don't we just put concrete in the top of volcanoes? Why hasn't anybody thought about this? It would <laughs> save that, so many lives. Is that somebody? what somebody actually said? That's terrible. Yeah. Hold, on, <laughs> so, hold on, hold on. I'll show you real quick. That's a Carl Pilkington moment. Remember, he was yeah, like, yeah. like just, just scrape mm-hmm. everything and put it back in the volcano. <laughs> I love mm-hmm. Carl. But, but, but do we need them, though? Do we need them? I love Carl's Do We Need Them. Like, I, I, <laughs> he, he has the one um, marine biologist on and to talk about sea snails. And he's like, yeah, but do we need them? I mean, like, would you really miss them? <laughs> <laughs> and, the, and like, I, want, I think one example that biologists didn't really have a good good defense against it. <laughs> so it's like, it's like, oh, we convinced him. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, it'd be fine. They could eat other things. Like, <laughs> I'm sure you could get another job, right? Here, let me. Yes, I sent you the volcano. Oh, cool, cool, cool. Where uh, in Twitter? Twitter? Oh my God, what is this? <laughs> Why has no one ever experimented with placing a cement in the mouth of volcanoes? <laughs> Option be blocked. Yeah, no, that's not how that works. It's 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 a. Uh... It'll stop it, Trey. It'll save <laughs> lives. Uh, I concrete's pretty. I made concrete in in school. We made it with a little. We made Roman concrete with a pozzolana, Roman pozzolana mm-hmm. concrete. Oh, that's it's rad. Pretty good. Yeah. It's pretty good. We made a made it a little popsicle sticks. And then but did I, it blow up? Did you get to say, "Let's blow this popsicle stand"? That that I wish. I wish. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Should have brought a poet. Um. Anyway. Yes. Anyway. I think it's time to talk about dinosaurs now, Trey. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I had a second story, but I'm not going to do it because it started involving quantum physics and I noped out of it. So <laughs> I gave up. I don't want to talk about quantum physics. I, I see I see the word uh, magnetosphere in the in the notes, and I, yeah. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> well, that's a real thing. And actually, it will be brought up. Perhaps I'm going to talk about what I learned a little bit. When we talk about dinosaurs because it is actually relevant. It is. But, real, I, I remember. Yeah. Yeah. But <laughs> I, I'm not going to talk about quantum mechanics. It's not going to do it. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So I, I can't talk about quantum mechanics no, or no, really physics no, in general. No, it it's a bunch of weird shit. Is what it is. I, I kind of like I, I took uh, physics in in college and I, I BS'd my way through that class. It was, it yeah. was a requirement. I'm proud of you. It was it was so hard. I was like I wasn't getting. I was like whatever keeps my head above the water because <laughs> I'll never have to worry about this again. <laughs> okay, well I guess we're not doing Monster Quest, so we don't have to say Monster Quest here. I don't know what to say. How do we do? What do uh, a little? We got to cut and do the song. Maybe I, maybe I could play my dinosaur song. I don't know. <laughs> I guess you have to say prehistoric planet in like in your Attenborough voice. Prehistoric planet. <laughs> prehistoric planet. <laughs> I am amazed that that man is still doing what he's doing. He he is literally. I I am I envy him at his age. Because how old is David Attenborough? I'm Sir David Attenborough, <laughs> and I'm here to talk about the only creature that lived on the Earth before even I did. <laughs> the Velociraptor. It had fucking feathers. Oh my gosh, David. <laughs> Planet Earth, 66 million years ago, 
skies are filled with flying giants. In the seas, monstrous reptiles patrol the depths. And on land, dinosaurs of every kind, all facing the struggle to survive. We now know so much about a world that was ruled by the dinosaurs. This is their story. <laughs> David. Okay, so David. prehistoric planet, Trey. Yes. That's what we're talking about. We're talking about the planet, but way before history. But not even just way before history, way before even humans, way before a big old giant rock hit it, messed up our ecosystem. We're talking about it when there was a whole different ecology and set up to the continents and whole kinds of different animals living here that don't live here today, specifically fucking dinosaurs. I did not see a single mammal in both these episodes. Nope. They, no we, our ancestors are just are are out of it. We're not even in it. We're so unimportant. We don't even we're just, appear. We're just swimming in the sea, unnoticed, <laughs> just peeking around. Don't want any of these dudes to swim up on us. <laughs> I know they got to be scared. If living, at, yeah, I'm trying to picture what because we we did have ancestors at this time. It's yeah, hard to picture, but that's that's crazy that we were little. Little rat-like creatures hiding from these massive, massive creatures living on a knife's edge. We made it. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, I'm fucking proud. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I well, we'll, we'll we're not, we don't have our monster quest set up to do here. Um, so I guess we're just gonna try to wing it. We'll talk. We're gonna talk about the first two episodes. Yes. Um, but let, let's just say a little bit what the show is first for people that aren't familiar. Uh, prehistoric planet is an apple plus tv show it is set in the the planet earth style of documentary mm -hmm. where um they have a really beautiful high definition romantic kind of lyrical look at the natural world um planet earth i think was a big deal when it came out and really inspired a lot of people and um i know trey's generation really grew up with um walking with dinosaurs yep yeah, this was this was definitely like inspired by Walking with Dinosaurs, but I think you're right that it was way more in line with a, a Planet Earth style documentary than yeah. a Walking with Dinosaurs one. Like as far as tone is and, and narrative sure. and stuff. Yeah, so friend of the show, Darren Nish was a big scientific consultant on the show, and I believe um, a lot of the ideas actually come specifically from his work. Yeah, um, yeah. It, it, this this show is essentially the more I watched it, the more I saw that it was essentially a, a uh, live action or, or animation depiction of um, this book that he, uh, John Conway, and then uh, C.M. Kozman made a, a while back called uh, All Yesterdays. It's a very, yeah. very great book. Everybody should check it out if you like dinosaurs because um, it talks about speculation and speculating about prehistoric animals and the limitations of paleontology. Uh, with a lot yeah. of great artwork in it, because all those guys are great artists. And uh, I reached out to him personally to have him come on the show, and he did agree, and he does want to come on the Plastic Pleasy Sore podcast. Um, however, Apple Plus has to okay it if he's going to talk about Prehistoric Planet. Um, so I'm trying to get that paperwork done so he can come on to talk about the show. But if not, we will have him on to talk about something else in the future. So. 
Interesting. Dang. Yeah. yeah I, I, it's funny. Cause I've known Darren for like literally like 10 years or something yeah. like that <laughs> since, since the start of my channel. Um, so it'd be cool. I've never actually talked to him like with his voice. I've just kind of emailed. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Him. Um, so it's kind of funny. <laughs> it's taken this long for me to actually talk to him. <laughs> but yeah. We, we will have him on the show. He's excited to come on. We'll just, we'll try to get him to come on and talk about this show, which, you know, he's a huge part of if mm-hmm. we can, but, um, he, uh, he helped work on um, uh, Walking with Dinosaurs, too. He's yeah, an so early con- consultant for that, too. So this first episode, um, I think there's going to be six episodes of the show, right? Five? Five, I think. Yeah, I think it's five. Okay. Okay, so the five episodes of the show. So we're going to cover the first two. The very first one is... Uh, coasts. coasts. Yeah, it's the ocean and the coastline. Uh, they're all broke up into different little like ecological niches like that. Mm-hmm. And um, so, you know... First, we have David Attenborough come out and he's hanging out with a T-Rex skull and he does his little intro. And I think that was good that they started with with the T-Rex skull kind of prime people, because for a lot of people that aren't, you know, as big in the dinosaurs as as we are, and I'm sure some of our listeners are, the T-Rex is kind of the guy, right? Yeah. Yeah. So to, to do that kind of people like, oh. We're going to learn about T-Rex. I like T-Rex. T-Rex is like the the big dinosaur people know. It's like T-Rex, Triceratops, Brachiosaurus, Stegosaurus. Velociraptor. Velociraptor. And then after that, nobody knows anything. But general person, walk out to person on the street, they won't know what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. They know thanks to or thanks to Jurassic Park for that, because I think I think those movies help introduce a lot of new people to dinosaurs. Yeah, for sure. They were big when I was a kid. I um, One thing, too, uh, before we get into this, I love dinosaurs a lot. I knew a lot more about dinosaurs when I was like 9, 10, 11 years old than I think I do now. Um, I'm going to do my best to say all the names right and stuff, but I'm not an expert on dinosaurs. I know more about like anthropology and stuff. So, you know, don't 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 come at me if I mess something up. I'm trying my best. <laughs> same with me people know what i do with dinosaur names it's but you are it, a dinosaur trey i mean <laughs> oh yes yes i, I mean, pronouncing my own my own uh genuses or genres uh names it's hard um, <laughs> yeah i people a lot a lot of times people correct you but i think like at a certain point like you're trying and these are hard names this is greek and latin and a whole bunch of weird words mixed together um i I think that scientists do science communication a disservice by not giving them um, more normal names. Like common names, because you, you don't call a lion by its Latin name. Yeah. Like, so, like, we have, like, like look at a deer, an elk, and a moose, right? They're in, like, the same family. They have similar body types. Um, they each have different names. It'd probably be hard to remember the difference between those three similar-looking animals, although we can recognize their distinctiveness. Um but we can remember deer, elk, and moose, right? right. But like, y- if you know their names, I think maybe ten of our listeners might know their Latin names. Otherwise, you had to look it up, you right. know. So it just and makes especially it when there's there's one that I I hate this word, and they use it in they use it in the documentary. It's uh, a antiornine birds or something like that, and like that is such an awful word. Like I bet it means it means something great in 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 scientific literature and in Latin, it makes sense. But like for a common person to say that word, it's just like, come on, give it, give it, give yeah. it a common name. <laughs> and, and we're not just distant paleontologists here because the boys at NASA do it too with planets. They'll name it like K 11 TL one. I'm like, man, give it a cool name, like Kelsidar or something. Like think of a name. People mm-hmm. need a name, man. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, the, the early, yeah, yeah. The T-Rex, T-Rex, Tyrannosaurus Rex. Great name. 
I don't know if we're just conditioned to like that more. <laughs> well, he's the king, you know. He is the king. He is the king. Yeah. I guess there's just so many species in prehistory that it's hard to like make a cool name for each one of them. And you don't know which ones are going to become popular over time. Yeah, true. Yeah. Well, so, it is, it is, so it prehistoric it planet episode one, mm-hmm. we open up on the Western interior seaway. Yep. Now this is the big, um, sea that would have broken up North America. Right. So you have like Appalachia toward the right and the other landmass to the left. And you have this big cut that goes down like a super Mississippi that breaks America in two. <laughs> Giant Mississippi River. Yeah. It's just a mega Mississippi cuts the America in two. And this is kind of where we zoom in on that. This is a yeah. structure that, that used to exist. And the first thing we see is Rexy himself. Mm-hmm. And um, we see a big male T-Rex and he's out there swimming in this ocean, going over to an island. And he has three. Not three. I don't know how many. Six or a lot of kids. He He got a lot of babies. Yeah, he got like a half dozen babies with him, and they're going across this coast. Now, I this seems pretty novel because they're really trying to subvert some attitudes about T Rex here, right? Yeah, yeah. So they're starting with T Rex because he's most recognizable. But the way you mostly see him in pop pop culture, he's roaring. He's chasing you down. You know, he got laser eyes. He's a mean monster. He's in a yeah. jungle with like vegetation. I, I don't think we've ever really seen a T-Rex swimming in the ocean before. No. Now there's there is a T-Rex swimming in Jurassic Park, the novel. That's and the right. river yeah, scene. I remember that. Yeah. Um, and then they have a little bit of the river scene in the Jurassic Park 3 film. Um, but it's not really him swimming in an ocean, right? And right. also this this changes things because because T-Rex, obviously, you know, you don't want to get bit by that thing. But, you know, it's 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 spear of domain is not the ocean. Um, there's another king in the ocean and they show that we see a mosasaur. Yeah, they, they, it's unnamed, but it could be there's lots of mosasaurs at this time period. I think it's Tylosaurus, but mm. that's just my my fan theory. <laughs> yeah. So we see one down there and like he's the predator, right? He could pop up and, and cause some problems for mm. our guy. So and like I think that, that, mentioned that 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 like the, yeah they're right that this isn't his domain but like the T Rex could put up a fight but he, yeah. he's definitely out of his element. And so here's the question: um, Can T Rex swim? Could they swim to the ocean? And if so, how do we know this? Uh, yeah, I think uh, my so like are we did you watch the the behind the scenes stuff too? Yeah, I did. Yeah, Darren's on those as well. Yeah, I think they gave a good case for like why T-Rex might have been able to swim in like short distances like that. Obviously not like across like oceans or it wasn't a marine creature. Um, but I could see it working cuz there's there's a lot of modern species that can cross island distances in search of food. Um yeah. the one that sticks out to me is Komodo dragons. Um they're known for like swimming from island to island and and finding food. Um and I think this might have been inspired specifically by Komodo dragons cuz it looks well, bit like that the t-rex the way it they, they should be buoyant they have studies dating back from spina like spinosaurus early spinosaurus days right of like testing the buoyancy in dinosaurs like back mm-hmm. before they even knew it was a like an aquatic hunter like they do now yeah um and and like they have spots within their bones to hold the air they should be pretty buoyant and they kind of have a body plan like when they're floating like almost a crocodile mm-hmm. you know they have the big tail behind them that can like steer them they have the big, large body. 
And then, I mean, you know, they, they got little bird feet, right? So they, they almost like ducks. They're just not webbed. So they got the big floating part and they can like kick and push with their feet. That makes sense. And the fossils that they found, um, they, they mentioned that they found them in rivers, seabeds and coastlines. Um, I couldn't find any of papers with the coastline one. But Trey, you think they may be, exist, just not be published? Yeah, like in the behind the scenes stuff, uh, Darren references a study where they saw um, swim claw marks. Like, uh, and this happens. This has been observed with other dinosaur species and like non uh, non dinosaur species. I know that there's Permian, Permian ones too, where they're claw marks of something swimming, and it's like that they're not they're not like touching the ground. They're just kind of scraping it because they're they're floating. Um, and he references that there is apparently one that might be a T-Rex, um, footprint like sequence. Um, yeah. as far as I know, I don't know if that's published or not, but the thing is with a lot of paleontology work, there's stuff that's known in research, but it's not published in peer review yet. Cause there's a lot of backlog. Sure. Um, there was one published. study I found published, um, that showed, um, like large, um, theropod tracks in China in the Szechuan region. And you, you could see like basically getting out of the lakes or skimming the bottom when they swam. So it may not have been T-Rex specifically, but it, you know, it's, it's an animal that has a very similar body plan and, and would be related to T-Rex. So, yeah. And that's the thing with a lot of paleontology stuff is you have to use, you're limited with a lot with your fossils. And so like, you kind of have to use something called like phylogenetic bracketing, which is essentially like, look at the close relatives see what they also have and you can kind of infer on on the uh the the stuff that's missing on the species yeah um, that you're looking for so i don't think it's like i think it's pretty pretty uh likely especially if there's footprint evidence of it um but i guess you're right that we'll have to wait for for that sort of information yeah but i it's highly plausible i think that um saying that the t-rex could swim i think is pretty close to being true mm-hmm. um based upon what we know about its body plan and you know, other things that evolved down its line that have similar shapes and sizes. And, uh, you know, I, I, the only thing I wasn't certain if it's going to swim across the ocean, cause it might be scared of Mosasaurs, right? Like, I mean, it might be a risk for a large predator to take, especially yeah. with babies, but also going to an Island to teach its young how to hunt there might be worth the risk. So a, a good example for something that's aquatic and, and swims like a lot um, that I think of that like you wouldn't expect is like moose. Have you ever seen moose like literally oh, yeah. swimming underwater? <laughs> I have not seen one in person. I've seen a deer swim in person. That's I, crazy. I see, yeah, I've seen moose swim on the internet. Yeah. So I wonder like without that sort of without like seeing an animal in first person, if we would be able, able to infer that they can swim long distances and moose can go crazy sometimes. Yeah. So. I saw a bunch <laughs> of elk the other day, by the way, when I was going over the mountains. Oh, Pretty awesome. Cool. That's yeah. really cool. It's like eight um, females by the lake. It's cool. That is really cool. The The Mosasaur was kind of cool to see because this is, I think, the one of the first times I've seen a documentary depict Mosasaurs with uh, uh, the tail flukes. Um, mm. The very shark-like tail flukes, because yeah. before even this was a, a relatively recent discovery where there was skin impressions um, of a mosasaur. I forgot what it was. I don't think it's Tylosaurus, um, but it has the the do- the the shark-like tail fluke because um, that's soft tissue. You don't really see yeah. that without without impressions, and so that's really cool. Before they depicted mosasaurs with like a a snake like a sea snake like paddle tail, and so this is new. this is new. I'm like, whoa, look at that. Well, and we'll see some more mosasaur pretty soon coming up here too. Oh yes, yes. Um, so the next thing we see is is big Papa T Rex with his little hatchlings. They all get up on the shore. 
He finds a big old dead turtle. This is uh, some large extinct turtle. I don't know its name. Might um, be Archelon. I don't think it's Archelon. Yeah, I, I couldn't quite tell. So I didn't want to. I don't know. Was, but it's big, big turtle. They they did a lot with that in this uh, in the show where they don't really tell you like the species because there's like stuff like it. And we can infer that stuff like it existed in like that certain region. But we don't know like a specific species that coexisted with sure. the T-Rex. They do. A, also, sometimes those things change. Like with yeah. the Mosasaur, like the actual specific Mosasaur it might be, might change with new findings or their names get, you know, they get dead named basically, like they no longer. <laughs> and so like by just being like, oh, it's a general Mosasaur kind of, you know. It, it saves them from being updated. It skirts that issue, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I think so, it's totally fine. Oh, there was yeah. a, there was even a hermit crab and I was like, hey, hermit crabs did exist back then. Heck there's yeah. A, there's a cool fossil of a hermit crab in like an ammonite shell. So they were using like prehistoric uh, like yeah. cephalopods That's for rad. shells, which is cool. I'm like, hey, look at that. <laughs> so there was some discussion like on the T-Rex, like would a male T-Rex care for its young like this and like, like um, risk taking them over or like would he just eat them? And, oh gosh, yeah. I, yeah, I saw I some like, really annoying responses about it too. Yeah, I'm sure there was. It's, the internet's terrible. But um, you <laughs> know, like, they, it, they said they made T Rex woke or something like that. Well, they definitely, they definitely did this to subvert the trope, right? Yeah. Like, because I mean, um, do animals sometimes eat their young? Yes, they do. Um, like males and females do it. Um, male polar bears do it quite a bit recently. They, they normally do it on seasonal extremes, like when like seals have kind of gone, you know, and there's like in between like when they can get good prey or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, but like for birds, like males and females care for their young pretty often, you know, so like yeah. it, it's completely reasonable that a T-Rex would care for its young. And, and um, we know about fossil uh, specimens of dinosaurs caring for their young theropods, especially there's a lot yeah. of evidence of like... Um, the thing that sticks out to me is like Obiraptor, where it's there's a specimen of it literally buried with its young. There was like a landslide, and it died, sort of uh, clutching its its hatch. Oh. Um, yeah, it's kind of sad. It's kind of sad, but um, I guess it's good for us because it teaches us. And then with um, tyrannosaurs, there's a lot of um, debate, and I think some limited evidence that they might have lived in family groups. Yeah. Um, the th the one that really sticks out to me is there's a Tyrannosaur track. Um, not sure where it is, um, but it's it shows footprints of like four or three separate Tyrannosaurs heading in the same direction, um, mm. which it's like a it's a extrapolation. Um, but sure. there's also sites like I know the Utyrannus specimens. There was like several Utyrannus um, of of several different age groups um, buried together. Um, which seems to imply that they live in groups together or something along those lines. They do move in herds. They do move in herds. So it's <laughs> cool. It's cool to to see, especially parenting behavior, which is really fun. Because like a lot of movies depict them as monsters and very cold. And yeah, uh, I think and, I think this was a good subversion of the normal tropes. And like, look, the the T Rex is a large predator, right? Like, it definitely got up to some mischief. But large predators aren't always just mean all the time. I mean, like, there's that famous video of the grizzly bear going sitting next to the guy who was fishing and just kind of nods at him and is chilling, right? And I mean, that's a grizzly bear. So, like, large predators can relax and be nice to each other or just roam around. They're not always just chasing things, trying to kill them. So. Yeah. And, and large predators in general have typically more parental investment because um, it's more of a risk when you have those 
it, it, they take a long time to grow to maturity. So you have to have like a parent guarding them more. Yeah. And they typically have smaller broods than stuff that have lower investment. Um, it's definitely a good thing. Like I, I could see it go, like I could see an argument for either way, but I, I think I'm more leaning towards that they care yeah. for their young. Well, they have another animal be a bit crueler later, which I, I think is good because they, they show like the, the kindness of nature and, and the cruelness of nature, but they let the T-Rex be the kinder one in this circumstance, which mm. I think is good. I, I like that balance. I would have made the same decision. Yeah. Um, this was a, cru- this was a cruel first episode. I was actually surprised how, how cold they were going where the, yeah, and the we'll Moses that. Just, just eats, eats. Hold on. Um, yeah. So then the, he eats the turtle by himself and he does not share it. So he, he orders like an extra large pizza and just eats it and tells his kids to fend for himself. Mm-hmm. So the the little T-Rexes have to go and figure out how to eat a baby turtle or whatever they're going to do. Um, also, they, they were a little fluffy looking. They were. They were. They they went. So there's a lot of debate on if T-Rex or Tyrannosaurus in general had feathers and how much. Um, and we know that we know that certain Tyrannosaurus had feathers like Utyrannus was like covered with very what was the language they used in the paper? Very long feathers, like shaggy, like it looked yeah. normal. Um, and, and on adults and, and babies alike, it seems like. Um, there's also D-long and stuff. Um, and T-Rex is one of the most debated things. And I've gotten in a lot of controversies, I guess, for making YouTube videos. Yeah, you had, you had like three videos about it. <laughs> and because it's a really nuanced topic because there's uh, we have a lot of skin impressions from T-Rex. Um, but they're in limited areas and feathers don't preserve as well as, as scale impressions. So it might be a thing of preservation bias. Um, the, the thing with adult T-Rex is the idea what I think is that they were majority covered in scales, but they might have had some sparse feathers on the midline of their body, like on their spine and stuff. Yeah, I um, think one of the arguments, I believe, um, against them having like large feathers like you might see on like a raptor or like a modern a modern raptor, I guess, um, is that like just thermally it wouldn't work out for them. They would just right. be too hot. Right. And yeah. And like you, Tyrannus is an example where like the climate is is colder, was colder than uh, T-Rex's climate. So it probably was a little different climate. So they were shaggier for that reason. And mm. you're right that it was like a thermodynamic kind of thing. Um, and so the, but there's also another argument where the the babies might have been covered in in filament fuzz like modern bird chicks do um and they just gradually lost them over time yeah um, they got that little downy yeah little fuzz buckets yeah yeah when we're yeah with tyrannosaurs it's not like the feathers that they have they wouldn't they looked more like fur um they were the the downy fuzz you're right so it was really cool and th- those uh those baby tyrannosaurs looked fantastic i was very impressed that was a great scene. The, the The first scene is very successful, I think, because it shows you something new about a T-Rex, but also it gives people what they want, the T-Rex. It subverts some of the narrative about the T-Rex, but I don't think it overdoes it. And it sets up the world in an interesting way because it, it shows you like the danger and the ecology of the ocean. And it shows you a little bit about, you know, um, the uh, Western interior seaway, which is a little cool geology, too. So. Yeah. So I really cool. like that. And then um, the next place we go to. We go, uh, we see some, uh, Oh, uh, Alcyone. We see some pterosaurs. Yeah. We go, we go and see some pterosaurs, which, um, <laughs> or, are, or as are my partner stars. called them. I watched this with my partner. Uh, they called them creepy folding chairs. Oh I like yeah. That. That's the Cronenberg fucking <laughs> shit. Um, I like that description. <laughs> 
Yeah, so if I remember correctly, we we first see this like kelp bed up on on a high rock face. Yeah. That like eroded over time. And um and then we see the little dudes come out of the kelp. And one thing that was interesting here is they mentioned that the eggs were leathery, which I didn't know. I mean, maybe other people knew that, but I had no idea. Mm. So um I looked that up and yeah, that apparently this was known since 2004. There's a paper in Nature called Paleontology a Petrosaur Egg with Leathery Shell, which yeah. documents the finding of these eggs, which I thought was cool because I, I don't know. Maybe it was known, but I didn't know it. So No, pterosaur like eggs were not, uh, especially embryos, like pterosaur babies. Um, we didn't know what they looked like for the longest time. And then there's there's been some more recent uh, fossil discoveries showing what they look like because like we have the adults, but it's hard to like, I know that there was a lot of debate when depicting them and walking with dinosaurs mm-hmm. um, where they didn't know if they would, they had uh neoteny like the, or sorry, not, not neoteny. What is it? Ontology, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, whatever it is, where like your baby and your, your baby version of your species doesn't really look like the adult, like maybe you have bigger eyes or yeah. your limbs have different proportions. So walking with dinosaurs went the route of like baby pterosaurs were like, miniature versions of the adults just shrunken down and i think the answer now is that they they looked a little bit different they had bigger eyes it's smaller body parts or something like that um and i think this was updated with that new scientific information in mind which is cool yeah because there's a there's a constant debate um is it baby or is it new in dinosaur oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. or or is it like same species or different species and yeah messy and, and it's hard it's hard we'll, we'll never know <laughs> for sure uh oh, during then, the sequence at, by the way at at uh 12 ish there is a single like second where you see a hesperornis um like bird in the ocean and dives down really quickly which oh, is like cool this amazing little touch and it's only that as far as i know that model's only used once for that like fraction of a second which i'm like somebody wow. worked on that for two weeks somebody yeah. worked on that for two weeks for something that like only a couple people will notice which is really cool so uh, yeah, they basically those. show all, all these all these um, young pterosaurs, right? They they are hidden in the kelp and in their their nests, and they all kind of like come to life at the same time. And the calls of them, you know, help wake up the other one, which is a thing that other birds do today. Then um, they like all learn to fly together, and we see the little little nooblets, and they're like trying to go across the ocean to go into this like safe little forest. So they can hang out there and eat stupid little bugs or whatever they're going to eat. And then, uh, then you see like the, 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 what are they called? The, the elk horned ones. There's a, a barbardactylus. Yeah. Barbardactylus. That's what it's called. I kind of like that name. Cause it's good to say barbardactylus. I don't know. It's fun. Fun to yeah. say. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's a good one. Um, <laughs> I don't know they could, they could call them like elk horns though, or something like, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Give it a good name. Um, <laughs> but they also, they, they also had an Asdurkid there, the, the murder stork walking around. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so basically the, the big pterosaurs, um, are going around and eating all the little guys as they try to make it to safety. And it was a pretty, pretty cool scene. And like that kind of shows some of the violence of, of mm. nature, you know, so I think oh, it's a it good horrifying. contrast. Yeah. To the other scene. And it, it tells it a pretty good me, story. It reminded me of, um, uh, if you ever see, uh, videos of, uh, falcons eating a whole bunch of bats leaving the cave. I there. haven't, but I, oh. I yeah, there, that happens in I think like uh, Indonesia or, or mm-hmm. some some countries, uh, and like the birds will just like swoop in and, and grab them, and it was it was a cool sequence. It made me realize like I've never really like thought of like how unique pterosaurs are because they're like giant like reptilian bats, 
And yeah. like to imagine that the world was dominated by these things that flew around like they the were the shows bonus. basically dominated by them. They're in it a lot. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because a lot Which, of times they're pushed to the wayside. It, it's cool to see them have a more prominent appearance. Yeah, because, I mean, they're not dinosaurs. That's why it's prehistoric planet and not walking with dinosaurs, too. Right. Right. Um, so, yeah, that was also. Um, what are these called? Barbara? I forget it already. Barbadactylus? Barbadactylus? Yeah, so Barbadactylus, so bar, so do they have these giant single elk horns tied to their head like the dog from um, How the Grinch Stole Christmas? Um, I don't think we know that for sure. Yeah, I think what the I fossils tell. of that particular species are fragmentary or, or yeah. we don't have the, the skull or something. Um, but they used a close relative. I forgot its name where it does. It, we know that it had this insane uh, Nyctosaur or something like that. Yeah, we know that other large pterosaurs of similar body type and um, family do have them, but we don't know that this particular one does. So uh, let's see. Yeah. And pterosaurs had such crazy uh, head crests. They had such a huge and insane diversity of head crests um, that like there's probably really, really weird examples we don't we'll never know. Like yeah, there's Tapijara, which was had a weird, like almost like sail like head crest. Yeah. So the big question is, why would you have a singular elk horn on your head? Why would you do that? Like, what? how does that evolve? And, um, you know, it looks like they've, they've done some studies and some research and it doesn't really seem to help you fly that much better. Yeah, if I at all. There was, there was theories that it was like uh, like uh, aerodynamic, but I think those are mostly ruled out. <laughs> so and so they've, they've kind of gone to the sexual selection um hypothesis in doubt, now. sexual selection that's like yeah the, that's kind of like the cer- ceremonial statue thing <laughs> you know like if, if you're an anthropologist you don't know what it is I'm like oh yeah that's that's fucking ceremonial right there and <laughs> and if you're looking at old animals you're like why the hell did they grow that like man they grew it because the women liked it i don't know what to tell you that's just that's just the style at the time you know right right <laughs> oh, that's all i can say i don't know it's it's like a yeah it, it, it's probably like a display thing like the ability to grow it that big and be able to survive like with this yeah. handicap this evolutionary handicap like shows the females that they're strong enough and they're fit they're fit for <laughs> i eat so many up. goddamn fish i'm the guy for you <laughs> right like they're it's like it's the peacock thing the peacock is yeah. the most common thing where the peacock they have this giant tail that's like super inefficient and and holds them down makes it difficult to fly and and puts them at risk by predators but it it like is a display and it's like oh shoot it's it's a display that like i'm strong enough to live with this handicap so the alcyone sequence was uh i i described it as brutal and horrifying (laughs) yeah it was metal they had a baby eaten alive that's pretty rough by the the by the the murder stork walking around that's terrible um as Durkids are really cool. That they, if you saw that one, they break, they show them later with uh, Quetzalcoatlus. Is, is yeah, one. Quetzalcoatlus. Yeah. Um, and uh, what's the other one? Hatsigopteryx is another one. Um, and they're these just they're kind of a relatively new, newly d- understood species. I don't know newly described like uh, discovered, but newly. There's a understood. few more recent dinosaurs. The next episode features prominently a dinosaur being only discovered in like 2007 or something. That's right. That's right. That's that's awesome. Yeah, we'll get um, to him. Yeah, so it's cool to see like these new new species coming in here. So it's been really cool. Yeah, especially because there's probably just hundreds of thousands of species we don't know about. The, yeah, because that's that's the thing with these prehistoric documentaries. I wish I wish this one emphasized more. I feel like Walking with Dinosaurs did a better job of it, where it's where 
the prehistory, all we know about it through these fossils is like a fraction of a fraction. It's like 99% of things that existed don't become fossils. And a lot of times with fossils, you're only seeing a like sliver, like you're seeing one ecosystem at one moment in, in like an entire period of Earth's history. Yeah. Um, and Walking with Dinosaurs did a great job of like me like wondering like what's over that hill? Like what is on the other side of the Earth at this time also existing? Yeah, it's such- it's so hard to contextualize it too because like um some of these animals you know exist for a million years two million years and they're gone and these like 20 million year periods you know so like if you looked at it for the long gate you're like oh this animal's not even really that important like they're right. kind of an evolutionary dead end but they fossilized well so we talk about them all the time right exactly that's a good point yeah <laughs> thanks buddy no of course of course right. yes there's the mosasaur sequence and and this one was really cool because it's uh it's a it's hoffman's mosasaur yeah mosasaur. which is the first mosasaur right that's, which is that's like, like the the mosasaur i don't know if it's actually the holotype or not but it's it's basically that it's like the first real good one my 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 headcanon is that it's the the one that was discovered in the 1700s that yeah it's... that's him it's fucking canon. <laughs> it's him. there he is <laughs> Because uh, if, if people don't know, Hoffman's Mosasaurus is essentially like what jump started modern paleontology. Um, it, when it was it was discovered, it was discovered in like um, a chalk mine in the Netherlands in like the 1700s, and it, it was like the first time where people looked at something, um, or the first time in recent history. I guess people have been doing it for thousands of years, but in recent history, where somebody was looking at it and was like, "What the hell is this thing?" <laughs> It doesn't. It doesn't really <laughs> what match. What the up hell with is that? It, it's something that doesn't match up with anything alive today. They thought it was a whale, and then like a giant crocodile, um, which is again well, a little bit closer to the truth. Um, and because people didn't, for the longest time, people didn't understand the concept of extinction. People yeah. thought that like everything like, that exists is now is what existed. Even in the 17th, 18th century, they were having these debates. So. Right. Mosasaurus Not- was the one that brought it up. This particular yeah. fossil. Yeah, so this is this is Hoffman's Mosasaurus. Uh, very, it's TM, TM, it's, it's yeah. yeah, it's great, it's great. Named after Mister Hoffman. I, I don't, I forgot his first name. <laughs> <laughs> and he he goes to this coral reef, this this little, uh, and he he kind of beaches himself on on a, a special spot. That, uh, I, yeah, I, he got the good spot, it, the cleaning spot. I call it Mosasaur Rock because I think yeah. it's it's inspired directly by something called Turtle Rock um in uh i think malaysia there's a oh. reef where sea turtles have been going for generations to this one's particular spot on the reef and they've worn they've worn it down like like that like hundreds of generations of sea turtles going to that same exact spot for, for man, cleaning man sea turtles suck it takes thousands of generations to wear down a coral reef we've been wearing down coral reefs in like 40 years yeah yeah what the, yeah, yeah lame it can't do nothing <laughs> against us turtles <laughs> Well, acidify the whole ocean. <laughs> Forget about it. Forget about it. <laughs> I I like this. I I never thought of this as a concept where like marine reptiles were were doing what sea turtles were doing. So this is like a really common thing. Um, when we keep watching this show, they'll like take a niche or a behavior that we see today, and they'll put the extinct animal in it. Right. Exactly. Um, which. I like and don't like. I, what I do like about it is it really makes them feel like real animals. It's just like behavior that's natural to us. And you're like, yeah, that's a thing. It totally makes sense. You know, because because first of all, these big mosasaurs, right? They look like alligator lizards, like mm. just that can swim. 
they have like that same fucking weird pointy face to the and, and the and the and the long body and so like i don't know i used to go catch alligator lizards so i look at them and i see them do this thing that i know real animals today do and it just makes them feel very real mm. also in this scene they use a lot of practical effects right yeah. like the real fish are there and i actually think they had fake skin floating in the water that they filmed and then the cgi is behind it because that's that little skin that's being eaten off it by the animals like it looks so real i think it's i think it's a practical effect yeah no they i i noticed that too they had like some some slight practical effects which i like not as much as like walking with dinosaurs a part of me wishes they had a little bit more um, yeah that was nice it was cool to see that uh did you notice that there was some cgi fish there too oh one of the one of the fish was an actual uh discovered prehistoric fish too that's right they had a they had a uh psycho psychodontid or, or yes psychodontid yeah yeah I, I think that's how you say it but yeah, yes. that's and, cool because like inside sorry. inside information, there are people that thought that Darren had s- snuck himself in the show because oh. he has one of that type of fish named after him. Oh, um, an- another <laughs> researcher named it in honor of him. But it's oh, that's it's nice. it's uh its species name is like Nashi Naishi. Um, yeah, yeah, but he he went out on the record saying that it's it's related but a different different one. Which yeah, I thought, it's but one I of my cousins. Like, I was like, he should have snuck it in there. That'd yeah, be great, like, <laughs> great <you know>? cameo. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah that's cool because i mean like look there's lots of prehistoric bugs and fish and plants that nobody cares about right that they like, don't right. get brought up and it was it was just cool so somebody who loves that fish just fist bumped and like screamed when they saw it and i'm, I'm happy for that nerd yeah no the little details like that i think go a long way because that's the thing is in the past like a lot of these shows walking with dinosaurs did it a lot they they get i don't mean to say lazy but they they get like a real animal like in there that kind of like looks like something that was around that time like sure. like little insects or squids or like lizards play like the the prehistoric counterparts um but this was cool to see like a little minor minor small species getting depicted and just kind of in the background like that's awesome yeah it, it, it's a nice touch it goes a long way to showing how much they care so yeah i agree um so yeah i really like this scene and then you know he he's enjoying his spa day and then everything goes fine and nothing bad happens to him right Oh no 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 no! <laughs> Big jump scare in a in a, another mosasaur attacks him. Literally made me jump. <laughs> Did it really? <laughs> it got me for some reason. For some stupid reason, that got me. Because <laughs> because you were just picturing yourself being a big old lizard fish. Just... I was like, yeah, I was like, this is such a nice little sequence. I like how there's no fighting. I, I like how they're peaceful creatures. And then the oh, my <laughs> oh my god! God. <laughs> What a jerk yeah. that other Moses were. He couldn't go to a different part of the reef. I know, I know. He couldn't go to a different part of the reef and just relax and have his own spa day. What, a, what an asshole. <laughs> don't like that. He's he's messing with Mosasaur TM, man. That's a... he's, he's messing with the holotype, the famous one. Oh, jeez. He's just some nobody. The, the famous one that uh that like was brought like the they bribed the French soldiers with like five hundred gallons of wine or something. <laughs> There's an insane story with that. We're gonna, that's like a different story for another. Yeah. Anyways, <laughs> they have a big fight, and this is something backed up by the science, which is kind of cool. Yeah, because um, we found mosasaur with mosasaur in their stomachs. Yeah, and and mosasaur teeth in their skulls. Yeah, so that's I mean you know this happened. And it must have happened regularly, too, for that to be preserved in the fossil record. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, and it was a cool fight. It was a cool fight. It was a brutal battle. It's like he he's trying to drown him. And I was like, dang. <laughs> yes. The one thing I, I, I kind of rolled my eyes at was the, the stupid, like, Marvel movie reveal. 
Oh yeah. <laughs> where he came out of the dust. And it's like, yeah, yeah. and I was like, Oh, I was like, that was a, cause John Favreau works on, works on this, uh, this movie. And he's like, no. <laughs> he, in his, it, it, it's cause I noticed it. Cause he did the exact same thing with the Lion King live action movie. The, the, um, the, the disgraceful act of the Lion yes. King remake. He, he did that with uh, Mufasa walking out of the cave or out of the sunlight. It's, like, um, it's just like his, the thing he does. I would like to recommend to people that are interested in, um, storytelling and film creation yeah. or just like modern culture to watch a your movie sucks review of <laughs> um, the Lion King. I think it actually breaks down the cynical kind of anti art of the Disney live action remakes really well. His, and it's like 12 hour review. <laughs> like, yeah, I know. Oh I actually God. think it's a really good essay. No, I love, I love his stuff. describes <laughs> this kind of, I, I think it's a culturally destructive phenomenon mm-hmm. of, of the Disney live action lion king movie so yeah. yeah yeah so the guy that made that it helped make this yeah <laughs> I, I i wonder how much what he really did but <laughs> i i think uh you could watch that lion king movie and be like he just should make documentaries with cgi like and, and that's exactly what he did um, i don't know i guess but, i guess my opinion if i watch somebody get given the lion king story one of the most beloved stories ever and then like you make it worse i would not say that guy is good at telling stories <laughs> arguably i think he's not good at telling stories because i think that's one of the the uh, uh sort of weak points of this series is that there's not a strong narrative between uh storylines yeah i agree with that um i wasn't going to kind of bring up that criticism but yeah i think that it's a little unclear kind of the interconnectedness of these they're just kind of sharing an ecosystem but they're actually also popping around the world a little bit mm-hmm. like they go over to um What's that sunken continent's name? Oh, Z- uh, uh, Zealandia or, or yeah, Zealandia. Yeah, because they go, they hop over to Zealandia, which is an actual sunken continent, mm-hmm. unlike you know the mythological ones we have today, which is the continent that like New New Zealand is hooked to, right? Mm-hmm. So like, yeah, they go over there and hang out, and and that's cool and everything, but like. It it's just kind of there's no narrative to follow really. Yeah, it, they're just little blips, and I, I know I'm talking about walking with dinosaurs so much, but it's something that's okay. That it acted. was informative to you. It matters. Yeah. So. It, it it did that much better where it created like characters and villains, which I know is kind of weird to like think of with like dinosaurs or in something that's well, supposed to be like a documentary. We're humans. We like that shit. So. Yeah. Yeah, in like walking with dinosaurs, they had that like one like uh, the giant of the sky sticks out to me with like the one hero pterosaur that you really get to know and kind of root for, and then he dies, and then you're like, oh crap, and you see the trials he goes through, and you're seeing like his 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 I guess pterosaurs I view of like the of the prehistoric world at that time, so it's like a slice of life almost, which is kind of cool. Yeah, I think it helps you conceptualize it because look, this is an alien world. I know it's our world, but it. It's not, you know, like right. we evolved millions of years after this. Like, like I said, our ancestor is scared shitless in the woods at this point. <laughs> so it's, it just helps to have something with, you don't need to anthropomorphize it too much, but something that's just going through a day really helps you kind of grasp it. I think they do a little bit better of that on the next episode. So. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I think I, I to- definitely agree with what you said there. Yeah. Um, so, so, so we see the Mosasaur dust up. That that part was really cool. I liked it. All very probable to me. I don't think we have evidence of them like getting spa treatments, but definitely a thing they could have done, right? So, right. Um, but then the greatest of all creatures 
shows oh, up. Yes, I was like, we're finally talking about plesiosaurs. On it's the... our boys. <laughs> Plastic it's, it's us. They put them in there for us. I'm certain. Of it. <laughs> now these ones aren't plastic. They're a polygonal. Yes. Um, but they are <laughs> an artifice of a plesiosaur. So it's basically the same thing. <laughs> yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah, uh, thanks. <laughs> and you got the PP in there. Polygonal, polygonal plesiosaur podcast. Yeah, this is prehistoric planet polygonal plesiosaurs on the plastic plesiosaur podcast. <laughs> you're welcome. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. They were they were Tarangosaurus, right? Tarangosaurus. Yeah, yeah, so they weren't they were part of the plesiosaur. I, I guess it's not a family. I don't know. I don't know all the polygenetic shit, but whatever. Yeah. They're plesiosaurs, right? These these ones are related to um I think Elasmosaurus, which is like the the like ins- this Elasmosaurus was really cool where it had like just an insanely long neck. Um even for plesiosaurs it's pretty insane. Because there's a lot of plesiosaurs that really didn't have long necks. Yeah, they had um, kind of stubby ones, you know, because they don't need them, right? They're just like moving quick through the water and grabbing fish. So, yeah, and it, it's and it's funny seeing because this this entire show takes place during the late Cretaceous, mm-hmm. and like um, the late Cretaceous. I'm gonna be honest, the late Cretaceous was kind of a little boring for marine life because um, it was like the heyday of like the giant marine reptiles had already kind of passed. Um, like really, really giant. We're thinking like w- like whale sized, uh, like ichthyosaurs were gone by this point. Uh, but you know, it's cool to see. I wonder cool if you're saying that. that, and like that's because there was like fucking like ten story tall jellyfish that existed at this time that didn't fossilize, so we don't know anything about them. <laughs> so you're talking all this shit, and you just like we just don't know what the hell we're talking about. That that is a that is a big thing. That's like I I wonder because they're like I think of like giant squids, like those barely like almost never fossilize. So uh, all I'm saying is there, there seems to be niches on Earth that when there's not a creature, a creature gets evolves into that niche. Right. So yeah. if we're like, oh, like where are all these things I'm like they're probably there. We just don't know where they're at. Right. We we don't know any of like the benthic, like uh, the stuff that lived at like the bottom of the ocean. We don't really have too many fossils of that kind of stuff at this yeah. time. So it's, yeah, there's a there's a lot of room for really. There's so much stuff we'll never know what actually existed, which sucks. Which does, which does. I blame John Favreau for that. (laughs) I know there's been like speculative, like filter feeding mosasaurs and stuff um, that that like they're entirely speculative. There's no evidence of them, but like something that could have existed and stuff. I mean, there's deep sea gigantism. There should be deep sea monster fish from back then, right? Yeah, I think so too. Uh, Yeah, so this Tarangosaurus, um, it's a it's a mother and and son or something like that um and they're yeah and, going and, to the and coast she's going to find a new mate with her son and 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 uh and they're getting rocks too yeah it's <laughs> like the, a break the, it's like a breaking bad episode <laughs> and these rocks were used for uh uh they, they, we've actually found these in a lot of uh dinosaurs and plesiosaurs um these smooth smooth rocks some of them have like hundreds of them in their stomachs um and they there's a debate on them uh they could have been gastroliths used to sort of grind up food like gizzards yeah um, or for ballast um or both i think the show goes with the compromise of saying they were used for both um we know modern crocodiles and alligators use stones for ballast um and then birds uh swallow stones and and grit to help grind up their food because they can't really chew it and even seals use use uh stones for balance too they eat them 
it yeah, it's definitely a thing that lots of real animals do, like marine animals do and, and terrestrial animals too. And it was cool to see them kind of like have a reason and a focus to go where they were going, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. So it's really cool, really cool speculation there. It, it was definitely cool to see them. And um, don't, don't they get in a fight with another dude? Uh, oh, that's, that's I guess, a little late. They split up that plesiosaur segment into two, and I think they should have just kept it as one. Yeah. Um, they're going to fight with Kai Kai Falu, uh, an Antarctic Mosasaur. Very cool name. That is a cool-ass name right there. That's, that sounds name. like an Aztec name or something. That's... Kai Kai Falu. That sound, it sounds like either Aztec or like um, Poly- Polynesian or something. I would not fight no motherfucker named Kai Kai Falu. <laughs> Kai Kai Falu. I'd be like, nope, just whatever he's doing, he's doing it right. And they give it a cool coloration, too. I would, yeah. I would, they have like these cool white stripes on its tail. Um, with a lot of this stuff, you never know what the coloration is going to be. I think um, they're actually pretty modest when it comes to their colorization in this show. Yeah, I think so, too. I, w- I was just saying this specific example. Oh, no, I agree. I, I just think they could have gone crazier. Oh, yeah, definitely. Some of the later episodes, they get a little crazier. But the first ones, you're right. They're, they're pretty mute. Yeah, I think we're... Oh, no, there was one more thing with Ammonites. Uh, using. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so the, the Nautilus, like the chamber Nautilus looking dudes. Yes, yeah. Yeah, so they're, you know, not a dinosaur, but some really cool life that used to exist. And, you know, is often in pop culture associated with prehistoric life. You know, there's a, a Pokemon, prehistoric Pokemon, Ammonite, mm-hmm. based off of them, which some people worship to this day as a god. <laughs> Ammonites are cool. They're like, um, for the longest time, we didn't really know what their soft tissue looked like. We have so many, like thousands of th- thousands of like Ammonite shells. Yeah. Um, but we didn't know what like the soft tissue like we kind of got like they look like squid kind of but there's sure. never like a soft tissue preserved until relatively recently it like to the point where there even was like a uh somehow i don't know how but this is an actual thing that happened where there's an ammonite trapped in amber like jurassic uh, park style uh, what <laughs> i don't know how it must have been like near a estuary or something i have no idea uh Man, I, it's a legitimate crazy. thing that happened and it still didn't preserve the soft tissue even in the amber so it's fucking like, amber he betrayed us <laughs> <laughs> like that's typically like the the thing that actually happens like it's preserved in amber and like you can find everything it's like frozen and even in this example you didn't find the soft tissue so it's like ah oh, god oh, damn geez. it and eventually i think recently we got something and it kind of confirmed what we already knew which is kind of cool though you know yeah yeah so i mean like you know like a lot of different animals do the bioluminescent thing when they're mating or for other reasons. So that was cool to see. Definitely a plausible thing. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't think we have any evidence that they had that ability. But, you know, again, similar animals do that. And I get that's kind of the, the trope of this show so far. They they find known niches and then put these prehistoric animals into them, into those niches, into those behaviors, which yeah. which I think makes it all pretty believable and pretty relatable. Yeah, I it definitely like it makes them more realistic and understandable as like living, breathing animals as opposed to monsters or mythic creatures. Yeah. yeah, it's good. I liked it. I liked it, too. This was a this was a strong first episode. Um, I, I thought I think I like the later episodes even more, but we'll oh. get into that next time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. How, how should we start? It? Can you hear me? Yeah. Okay, sweet. Uh yeah, so the first episode we I think we both think it was pretty good. Pretty good episode. Yeah, pretty good. I give it about a seven out of ten. I will give it uh 
Uh, I'm seeing how I'm going to grade it. Maybe an uh, I'll, I'll go seven. I think I'll go seven. With All right. Good, seven good grade. Smart grade. Good, good grade. I'm going to like grade them relative to each other. Yeah. And I don't think it was the best one they got. But yeah, yeah, it's fair enough. But it was good. We got to see Plesiosaur. So like that. Yes. But now we go to a faraway place where the Karen caravans roam. Every time I make an Aladdin joke, you do not like my Aladdin joke. I just just don't get the Aladdin jokes. I'll I'll cut. I'm just got to give up on my Aladdin joke. I I don't think I've, I don't think I've, have I seen Aladdin all the way through? I don't know. I assumed you had. I I thought I did. Maybe it's been a while. Maybe I need to rewatch. It's okay, buddy. The last, the last one I had to put the clip in because you didn't get it. I thought you were like being skeptical of the whole, the whole hybrid rat thing. I thought you were no. like, I that's bullshit. <laughs> and I was like, and I was like caught off guard. Like, dang, Miles has a very strong opinion about this, this thing. <laughs> My bad. I, I'm sorry. I need to be more, more cultured. It's okay, buddy. It's okay. <laughs> I love you. Don't worry. I come from a land, from a faraway place, where the caravan camels roam. Where it's flat and immense and the heat is intense. It's barbaric, but hey, it's home. When the wind's from the east and the sun's from the west and the sand in the glass is right. Come on down, stop on by, hop a carpet and fly to another Arabian night. <laughs> Anyways, so we go to the desert planet, Dune, oh, Arrakis, uh, Tatooine. Yeah. So uh, so so we go to the we go to the hot sands. Mm-hmm. Um, where is this exactly? It's it's wherever it's uh, it's Lake Cretaceous wherever there's there are deserts. Okay, yeah, because I don't I don't remember them saying which desert it was. I think the opening the dread dreadnoughtus uh, opening sequence was <laughs> South America. Okay, um, aren't they from Mongolia? Well, there's another there's a there's another one in Mongolia. Okay. Somewhere in the early aughts, mid aughts, um, this dreadnoughtus dinosaur was discovered, right? Mm-hmm. And it's one of like the largest complete fossils we have of like a of one of the bigger dinosaurs. And it's it's just super impressive. And like we have like its femur, like like, I don't know, like 90 percent intact or some crazy thing like that. It looks awesome. Mm-hmm. And and this is like one of the best recreations of this dinosaur. And um, it's I don't know. I thought it was really cool seeing we, we get to see all of them, um, the the dreadnoughts march onto screen together and. That's a lot of mass because they're like sixty-five tons each. Oh yeah, they're they're insane, insanely big. And I, I love the music and the noises for for the sequence in particular, like the the boom, like the each footstep was great. Please. Yeah, so I mean, because an elephant is like five tons, these yeah. guys are sixty-five. So that's how fucking big they are. <laughs> that's the thing about the Mesozoic that's like upsetting is that like nothing uh, on that scale like megafauna like that huge has occurred on land before and, and since seemingly well like, it's it seems to push the limits of what is possible yeah i know right I, I, like exactly like it almost seems impossible that the blood itself could circulate and get enough oxygen that it could get enough calories to survive at this height and right. this is like the extent of this creature's evolutionary line because um, the other sauropods were like dying off, right? Yeah. Uh, At this the, point in history. This the last of the sauropods are the titanosaurs, which is 
what Dreadnoughtus was part of. And and yeah, they were almost they were a dying breed. Yeah. Um, Jurassic was sort of like the peak of them, and then they they petered out into the Cretaceous. And sauropods are long necks, if if mm-hmm. if you didn't know the terminology there. So yeah, basically like the long neck dinosaurs, a whole bunch of them, different kinds, all over the world, different sizes, some big, some small, some maybe even had little spiky things on their back, although that's debatable. Um <laughs> you hear about that? Uh, what do you, is it Diplodocus or? I forget the names, but there's the one that people thought had spikes on its back. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The one that had the really cool badass, uh, like, uh, yeah. shoulder blade kind of. But then people weapon. said that it might be like a messed up rib cage thing and not. I, I forget the whole story. Oh, they, that's what they do in paleontology a lot of times. They introduce this really cool concept and they're like, <laughs> uh, maybe it didn't, didn't look like that actually. <laughs> this guy, this guy had a flame breath. Oh my God. I don't know if he had flame breath. We may have misspoke. <laughs> what? <laughs> um. So, yeah, like they have this massive line of animals and like the ones left at the end were like the giant ones. Right. So like it's like late stage capitalism dinosaur edition. Like <laughs> they, they just turned into crazy uncontrollable monsters at the end. Um, people probably don't like me saying monster because half the point of this is to show they're not monsters. But I mean, they're really big dudes, the sauropods, right? Sauropods are the closest we ever got to kaiju. Yeah. On land. Yeah. Yeah, so it was a cool sequence. It was really cool. I liked how they were they were violent. They they were not the gentle giant kind of idea typically you see in in paleo media. That's true. Either. They they kind of subverted the narrative a bit, just like they did with um with the T uh, Rex, where they kind of made him a bit more gentle. They took the long necks, who we know from singing and motherly love from uh, Land Before Time, and <laughs> we got to watch them fight. You know. Yeah, like uh, and really fight. This is kind of based on, I think, an idea. I don't know if he's the one who promote, like he originated it, but he definitely promoted it. Uh, Mark Witten uh, made a painting called like Bronto Smash or something. There's like Brontosaurus's smashing, oh, yeah. like against each other, and it, his ideology or his his reasoning was that like the neck bones are really reinforced or something. They're, mm-hmm. they're kind of built for for smashing into like they could withstand the impact of like smashing into each other. So speculation is that they used them as a weapon in battle against each other, which is possible, you know. Yeah, um, and I don't I think it's in Planet Earth, too, but it might have been one of the other spinoffs after that. There's like a fight between two giraffes, which is extremely yes. violent. Yeah, you know, yeah. I never knew that they did that, but they can get really crazy. They actually use some like game theory on each other in the fight too. There's like some interesting tactics. Like it's, mm. it. You should look that up if you haven't seen. I, I know you have, but like the fight with the the giraffes is pretty crazy, brutal fight. It's it's actually much more brutal than this fight, right? Um, Where they're because they, they're using the horns, they're using their like reinforced skull to like well, punch each other. I mean, they're out in the desert, so they're getting dehydrated, right? So they're like just coughing up phlegm and ble- bleeding. And I mean, even if you win, you might die from exhaustion. Right, like the fight's fucking serious. You don't want to get in a fist fight in the desert. It's just <laughs> it's the worst place. Or a neck fight, you know, whatever. <laughs> it was a pretty pretty serious fight, and it looked like they fought to the death. Right, that's the implication. So yeah, the 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 leader one that was there, uh, they said he was covered in dust, white with dust, or something like that. He died, and like his body was left in the desert. Man, that's like, fucked. dang. <laughs> <laughs> and they also they also had the speculation of like the air sacs display air sacs yeah that up. now this is one of their bold speculations yes this is their, their their few bold really bold ones so i like that um now you may think 
I might not like it because it's it's pretty speculative and there isn't good fossil evidence. And there's only kind of modern analogies. Like frogs do this and other other animals have similar things, but like we don't know what fucking sauropods did, right? Like it's yeah. but I, I kinda like that because they obviously are gonna have adaptations that we don't expect, you know? And, and stuff that's just not in the fossil record. Yeah, at all. it's not in the fossil record, like colors and weird soft tissue stuff. It's, it's gonna be there. Now I don't know. It's it's a really big animal to propose weird things on its body because I mean it needs a lot of energy to keep its body going, so it doesn't have too much energy for other stuff. But um, maybe these helped its circulation in some way too, possibly. So yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. I think it's possible. It's a very bold speculation, but you know it's within the bounds. I liked it. It was one of one of my favorite parts of this episode, actually. So oh, nice. That's awesome. Yeah, because I I just like to see them try stuff. You know, they they're showing us a lot of stuff that is um, new or that we know for sure and doing it really well. But it's also really cool to see some speculative stuff because I think it 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 shows biology doesn't know everything yet. There's a lot to learn. And I think it helps keep that imagination and kind of wonder there as well. So, yeah, it does exactly what all yesterday's that the book that this is kind of based off of. The whole point of it is is going crazy with speculation, essentially. Yeah, because um, there's a segment of the book where it talks about like what a paleontologist in like the far future would speculate about us um, and like what's not preserved and all that in the fossil record. Uh, it's cool because they use like ideas about dinosaurs and stuff like skin wrapping and like rhinos that don't have horns because those don't really preserve in the mm-hmm. fossil record all the time. So it's cool. Yeah, very cool. Um, yeah. So we we see the fight with uh, a dreadnought, by the way, if people are wondering why they're called that. Dreadnought just means um, without fear, like dread, fear, not, you know, just means no fear. Um, and they were actually named after the Dreadnought battle cruisers. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Which are it's a pretty name for them, too, where they're just so big, they probably didn't fear much. Yeah, they probably didn't even notice much, right? Like, <laughs> um, one thing they don't show is like them caring for the young, because I, I was researching them a little bit. Apparently, they like their eggs that would all be like lined up in a line and stuff. So they probably didn't nest and care for their young much and stuff. Mm. Which I was thinking, like, yeah, they probably couldn't see them. Yeah, there's a <laughs> lot of speculation on how they actually laid eggs, because, like, it popping right out, like how birds do it or whatever. Um, like, it would just crack and fall on the ground because they're just so big. So there's yeah. a... Walking with Dinosaurs did this where they had a speculative giant, like, uh, like tube that drops out of them. And it's like the eggs roll out through the tube. <laughs> Soft. T- it was like an entirely speculative thing, but it's like an idea they had. Is a little transportation thing. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, man. <laughs> Meaty. Uh, yeah, it's kind of cre- it was gross looking because they did impractical effects. But there you go. Perhaps <laughs> they perhaps they uh, put eggs in the species of other creatures and they crawled out of their chest. Oh, my God. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> I've seen it before. <laughs> a documentary. Yeah, it's a documentary. <laughs> Historical <laughs> record. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so that I, that scene was pretty cool. You know, like it. it I would have had it be more brutal, honestly, but it was it was pretty cool. I was expecting more blood and stuff, but I guess it's it, they kind of were marketing this a little bit towards kids. Yeah, uh, kids. Uh. I, I I think actually there, I think there's like this fallacy that humans do, where like if they were if they recorded natural violence, like a bear ripping something up, it wouldn't seem like they did anything violent. They just recorded it, and they would probably let them show it. But to actually animate it and make it violent, it just seems more like there's more agency there. So they're less likely to do something more violent. Yeah, I think that's a legitimate thing that people do. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. so we go. So we go to Mongolia. 
We go to Northern Asia. <laughs> and um, that's when we meet uh, the little guy. Yes. We meet this little lizard. He's he's not really named. Um, and he's played both by a real lizard and some pretty bad CGI. I don't know if you noticed that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so they use a practical effect for a lot of it, which, you know, looks good. Um, and then they uh, they cut to the... Um, so they cut to the Velociraptor, the little bird guy, right? They cut to, so there's a corpse, there's a corpse of a sauropod, I don't think they name it, and there's a whole bunch of uh, Tarbosauruses uh, laying around it after they've gorged themselves. Oh, yes, really yes. Sleepy, um, which is which I think is pretty great, because like that's a lot of things that, if you look at modern predators, they're like incredibly lazy. Like they just sleep, like lions and like tigers they just spend the most of their t- like days just just resting. yeah definitely that's what lions do man all the time <laughs> i mean so like th- these are basically cousins to the t-rex right mm-hmm. just in a and like yeah they they just ate a bunch and they're just chilling out sleeping yeah and so it it shows a, a little lizard guy and he's coming up to eat some flies that are hanging out on these big dudes right just totally like a thing you'd see today right mm-hmm. and so our, our little lizard guy is gonna have a snack but uh uh-oh oh something something's gonna prey on him that's right. So then we see um, what I think might be the best Velociraptor ever, like digitized. Oh like, my god! Yeah, I was I I wrote Velociraptor like it looks good, damn, or something like that. Yeah, <laughs> notes. it it looks really good. Like the CGI for that in particular. Um, yeah, well they they knew they had to get the Velociraptor right, right? Like, they knew they knew like T Rex and Velociraptor. We got to get them really good looking. Yeah. So why it's so exciting is because obviously the Jurassic Park, the first movie is great. The other five movies are unholy abominations, but <laughs> the Raptors are a big deal in those movies. I mean, they're, those, they're not technically Velociraptors in those movies, but they call them that, you know? Um, but so like, it just becomes such a big, important animal in, in dinosaur culture. Right. But we know, I mean, you can kind of just look at it. It looks like a Raptor, like a modern day Raptor. It has a pretty similar body plan, right? Like, mm. like just the, other than the fact that it, it's more, flightless um but like it and so they should look like fucking birds like birds that run on the ground on the ground like a cassowary or something right they should look more similar to that mm. but you know they're just not depicted that way because that's not how jurassic park does them so a lot of people have been waiting a long time to see like a really good feathered velociraptor oh, god forever for like 10 yeah. years we've been waiting for like a good documentary or tv show or something to depict like velociraptors as they actually look like because it's it's taken so long because like uh, the last time I think I saw like a documentary, like even try to like depict a velociraptor. It was sea monsters or chased by monsters or something like that. And it was it was when they didn't even know they had feathers still. So they were still like very lizard lizard like. And, and yeah. Scary. And you see some statues and stuff of them where they look kind of like like big monster chickens mm-hmm. um, and they're pretty ugly looking and don't quite look right, you know. They're trying to put feathers on them, but it's just not going good. Oh, yeah. Um, Some of the museum specimens look pretty bad. Yeah, but but this is it, right? This is... So sleek. I, it's very good design. The color yeah, he has, really like... I, I like his face, too. So, like, you see the raptor, and he has, like, this, this sleek um, coat of feathers on him. But he also has, like, this, like, I don't know, cartilage or maybe thin lip around him that's not quite a beak, you know? So it's, like, halfway between a beak, halfway between, like, a mouth, kind of. Like that's like a really cool kind of like mid step in evolution, you know. And like, I, and they they have just enough wings 
that like you, you could think they might be able to use them for something, you know, but they're obviously like flightless. Mm. Like, yeah, he just looks really good. Yeah, I, I agree. That it's like the best Velociraptor I've seen. Yeah. Ever. And you get to see the Velociraptor. Uh, he goes after our lizard guy. So mm. you see a little circle of life right there. So that's pretty cool. But uh, then he uh, accidentally wakes up the um, Barbosaurus. Yeah, he, he wakes them up and they're not really into it. You know, <laughs> yeah, they just kind of get up and leave. He, he snaps at them really quickly. They're kind of like, bro, we're like 10 times your size. You should probably get. Yeah, those Tyrosauruses looked really good, too. I was I was impressed with how they looked. Yeah, I mean, like they're pr- pretty modest colors. You know, they got the, the brown and the spots and everything. They kind of look like their surroundings. I think they're kind of like making them cats basically right they're, yeah. they're sleeping like cats they kind of look like cats they're together like cats so it's another example of the show putting the animals in a, a familiar niche that we know so hmm. it was cool to see them in like a family group too because yeah. as we said with the t-rex it's something that they probably did we don't know for sure it's cool very cool yeah very cool and uh, then we run into our new little friend yes uh what's his name into, uh, uh, mono mononacus mononacus uh, so I guess Nikus probably means the 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 claw that he has. Yeah, it's one claw because it's yeah. uh, it's like kind of like a what has a one claw like that like a emu emu has like one claw kind of kind of resembling that. Yeah, very unique dinosaur. They, they were actually in uh, uh, the Nigel Marvin documentary too, and it was early it was early on, but they had given them feathers because it was a bit of speculation at that time. Mm. Um, and it, it, the feathers haven't aged really well, but I remember as a kid, I was like, Mononychus, that's a really weird dinosaur because it's like, a, it's a relatively small one, small theropod, and it has these tiny, like one claw little hands. Yeah, I, I, I really like the look of this animal because it like, they haven't behaved like a lot of mammals do. Yeah. Um, but it has feathers and it's also has lizard features. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, so it's yeah. like. It was kind of like they merged like a fennec fox and like a century bird from like Africa. Like they merged them into one. It was kind of cool. Yeah. So so we see it like, you know, it's around around. The, he's almost the main character of this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of I kind of wish they set it up so you see him first and he like runs into all the things. I think they should have done that probably. I think so, too. It, it would help create a better narrative and, and help ground it because also I like this dude. I want to root for him. You know, cute little face. Um, I like the little browning that he has around his eyes. Um, It's almost like when people put black on their eyes for sports, you know, same kind of thing. He's fluffy. He's cute. He has that barn owl kind of eye, too. Mm -hmm. So he looks like so many different creatures. He's like, it's I don't know. He's awesome. It makes it feel really realistic. Yeah. And then he makes these cute little fox sounds. (laughs) Yeah. So he has like a highly evolved claw, which is his name. Right. So basically, like, he's like an anteater where he just like goes into and anteaters, of course, don't eat ants, they eat termites. And so that's what this guy does, too. And, you know, you see him, like, go right into a log and just eat a bunch of termites. And he has this a tongue that's evolved, just reaching out and grabbing those things. Mm-hmm. So that that was really cool to see. He's, like, like highly evolved for this life. This yeah, guy has so many different niches that he falls into. Yeah, that was a piece of speculation, the long tongue. Yeah. Uh, but it's something we can't prove or disprove because we don't have the tongue. So you, we never know. We know that we know that Mononychus was probably an insect eater, though. Like, I think yeah. that's pretty clear. Um, so a long tongue would be like fitting with the with its kind of niche. I think this is my second part of the second favorite part of the episode. But this is my favorite guy was just this little dude living like in the desert. Too. I liked so. him running out of the rain and he curls up into that little in that cave. That was a nice little shot. 
Yeah, because they almost have the little burrows up there looking things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, almost like they're, I don't know. Very cool. You just, you just, he seemed like he was really living in the area, mm-hmm. you know, almost more than anybody else. And uh, that's why I really liked it. And, you know, who knows if this is a great example of what they look like or not. You know, it's, it, again, the colors are pretty natural and fitting to its environment, which could totally be true because, you know, like a lot of uh, modern birds have that too. But sometimes birds have a few like, opalescent or shiny or sharp colored feathers on them so he could have had some of those too you know so i i would have liked to seen like you know just like one bright red feather or something like that but yeah i mean i don't know right it's just a design choice because we don't know but um they just kind of went with the the browns and natural colors a lot for most of the animals so i would have liked to have seen one kind of stand out a bit more mm. so then then we get to the watering hole right yes the oasis which Pretty much whenever there's a, a desert scene in any of these planet or things, always hear Dave, you know, Attenborough be like, and then the rains came <laughs> and brought life to the desert. And a practical oasis. Magically you know? raining and the, the yeah. rivers are running. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's Talking in everyone. It. You've seen it's a million fucking documentaries. <laughs> and so, like, we, we, we get to the watering hole and it looks just like the watering hole is out of Lion King or planet earth it you get you see you you talk about it because you liked it more than me yeah I, I i remember really really loving this sequence um uh, oh gosh you're gonna hate me i said one of the best sequences of dinosaurs i've ever seen <laughs> <laughs> that's funny then <laughs> um because i i just really like the diversity of dinosaurs and that they weren't super in your face about what was there like i caught i caught a therizinosaurus i caught like a, a couple uh there was a couple of uh hadrosaurs and um ankylosaurs there and then you saw you saw mononychus running around it, it was a lot of really cool like i like seeing all these species interacting with each other because Therizinosaurus is too weird looking to have lived i don't believe in it <laughs> there is an asaurus is so unique and bizarre and i love it it cameoed just like for a single scene when the the sauropod b- bends its neck down and starts drinking and it, it just like, looks, looks like a them. big stupid chicken monster they, they look ridiculous. They look ridiculous. They do. I mean, I, I actually like them because they're so ridiculous. But at the same time, I just go like, damn, man, that's a bold choice on how to <laughs> arrange your body. You know, they're, they're kind of like ground sloths where they're just they're this really weird design where it's like this heavy thing with like really big claws. Um, there was some criticism I saw online about the Therizinosaurus being too uh, fluffy, too much feathers. Yeah, um, it could it could have been more like T-Rex where it's a little less feathery. Um yeah, know, I mean, they're in the desert. I don't think it would have had that many feathers in the desert. but Yeah, it might have been more like ostrich-like where there's more yeah. like exposed areas on the skin. Um, yeah, because we we have surviving Therizinosaur like fossils. Um, oh, how do you say? Bipiaosaurus um, in China. Um, and that is really, really fluffy, but that's probably a different environment. So it might yeah. look different. Yeah. Um, that's another yeah. thing, right? Like some, some species of animals have like different coats depending on where they live right so. right and dr- drastically so yeah yeah um yeah and then they and then so they sh- they showed uh the mongolian titan you know in the sauropods sort of coming out of the desert and uh interestingly this is actually like a hypothesized species like we don't actually have a skeleton of this oh um that's why they called it mongolian titan instead of like a species name um, yeah because it doesn't have one and it's all it's based off of is a set of like colossal footprints um, hmm. in mongolia 
um, without a skeleton to go with it, but we know that like something huge was in this area. Yeah. Yeah. So this, I, I like this sequence cause it showed like the scale of like different animals at this time, all like kind of coexisting where like there were big stuff. There were stuff like the size of like elephants and rhinos, but they're even bigger stuff, which was kind of cool. And then I liked, I liked the Tarbosaurus coming over the hill and just go, going for a drink. Everybody kind of backs away from it, kind of scared. Yeah. Um, so, you, so you have like the, the, um, theropod predator kind of come up and everybody kind of is like, ah, fuck it's that guy. <laughs> and they all kind of back away slowly and let him get his drink, you know, but he's not there for trouble. He he's exhausted. He, he just wants a soda pop. So, <laughs> And I saw that Darren uh, tweeted about how in this particular scene, um, they really did a lot of work on like the type of drinking that each different species of dinosaur was accustomed to. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, because that's a minor detail I, I didn't yeah. really pick up on. Yeah. So here's my criticism of the yeah, scene, right? You, you hated this scene. No, I didn't hate it. It's <laughs> a good kidding. scene. But this, <laughs> this is why I was kind of like, uh, when I watched it. I was just like, I saw a bunch of scenes. I, I like that they put a lot of the dinosaurs into like behavior patterns and niches that we know of exist today, right? So mm. it's like, it's what cats do, but it's a dinosaur. And they did that a lot. And then when they get to the watering hole scene, it's just like, it's a watering hole scene, but it's dinosaurs. And I'm just like, I've seen the water hole scene in so many nature documentaries. Mm. Like, it's just so common. And like, you see it in any kind of fiction story with animals like Lion King or whatever. And I was just like, oh, it's the watering hole scene again. It rained in the desert. Everyone's there. The predator comes in and he gets a drink. It just happened. It's just kind of such a common scene. And then also all those dinosaurs had like, really like brown muted colors mm. like nobody was like bright or interesting looking and maybe that's how they look so it's a stupid criticism but you know there's kind of been this uh, movement in dinosaur art the last like five or six years to kind of be more exploratory on the way that they look in terms of you know colors and, and stuff like that and I think it's totally fair for them to be more conservative most of the time and they have done unconservative things this episode like the air sacs but there was just a lot of conservativeness in this scene. It's a yeah. very common nature documentary trope with all the animals having really conservative like patterns and colors all at the same time. And so the whole thing kind of disappointed me. There were just so many dinosaurs on the screen and that was supposed to make me say, wow. And I think it did for a lot of people. So completely <laughs> fair enough. I just, I don't know. I just was kind of expecting it and then it happened and I just, I was expecting more and I didn't get more. Uh, I can agree with you there with the, the colorations and stuff. I, 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 uh, this was something I picked up on throughout the series is the sounds dinosaurs made were kind of, kind of lame in my opinion. Yeah. It, I don't know. When I think of, I think of walking with dinosaur, they had, they had such distinctive noises for each dinosaur, um, that I can, I can picture in my head, like what, if you play the sound of Coelophysis in that documentary or, um, I don't know the ornithochiris. Like I would be able to recognize that 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 particular sound bite. Um, yeah, I mean, look, just, look at bird sounds. Birds have very distinct calls, and people know them. You know, I don't know, but people do. Yeah, and in this, it's just kind of like, oh, uh, yeah. it's, like, it's like it's very <laughs> boring, and they're quiet for the most part. And I know that's how animals actually are for the most part. They're pretty quiet, especially yeah, because there's the trope of especially predators roaring all the time, right? Which like, I little like dinosaur sounds like the thing with dinosaurs and other and especially like pterosaur sounds is like we know 
very, very little um, about them because that's soft tissue stuff. Like, so you can just make up a lot of it. Like, sure. And, and especially like hadrosaurs must have made really, really weird sounds, like really low, low frequency noises that would have just been sounded very alien. And I expect really that. that the herbivores that are like pretty familiar would probably make more sound. You yeah. know, because they're, they're like kind of chatty with each other. Like most herbivores, are they? I mean, deer don't as much, but like birds do. Mm. And like I don't know, a lot, lot of, lot of animals that kind of are plant eaters, like they, they chirp at each other a lot. So. Oh, like think of like an elephant's like trumpet. Like that's yeah. such, that's so distinctive. And they, I don't know, they could have given something that in this documentary. I, mean, I wonder what those really big, fucking long neck sounded like, man. Yeah. Like, just try to think about the depth of sound they could produce. Oh yeah, it would have been just so alien and weird. Yeah, or maybe they sound like Getty Lee. I don't know. <laughs> That's the guy from Rush. If he did, uh, yeah, I know Getty Lee. Okay, all right, sorry. Big Rush fan. I like. Yeah, yes. all right. All right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I get I get your reasoning now with the watering hole scene. It, it, you're right. It it does kind of. It's a little derivative and. You're right that the designs for a lot of things are kind of mute and, and beige brown colors. So I, I yeah, I'm kind of looking at it like as as a as a comic writer, like when we do a splash page, that's when you have the two pages or one big scene, right? Mm. You you try not to do that more than once an issue. It's almost like a guitar solo. It's like the the big thing you want to show people, right? Mm-hmm. So like if I have a scene like waterhole scene, I'm like, okay, you want to open, you open on the waterhole scene. Like this is I want people to stare at it a long time. Like, and look at it, look at all the detail. And I'm like, if you took any one of these screens, it's just a lot of brown. Right. It's a lot of brown, and it's it's a bunch of animals around the watering hole, which you've seen a lot of the time. And I'm like, there's not really that spectacular image, I think, from this. There's a lot of cool images, and obviously it's cool to see the mix of the dinosaurs all there, and you see the big long necks come in, and, and they reach over all the other animals to drink, which is cool. There's lots of nice touches. This is a good show. Don't take my criticism and say it's not a good show. It's a great show. I just, I don't know. They could have done this better. It could have been more miraculous and lived up to, I think, the amount of money they put on the screen in this scene. Yeah. Okay. I I agree with that. That was a criticism criticism of uh, his Lion King movies that it was just so boring and beige. Yeah, I think I've been pretty unkind to those movies. (laughs) (laughs) I think maybe it's a, a, a connecting kind of thing where just the people involved are kind of like more brownish colors. Yeah. I I feel you. I feel you there. But then it's, um, it's your time to shine on this next one, buddy. Oh yes. Yes. This is, uh, we get Barbodactylus again. Yeah. Our old friend. Uh, and this was the, uh, the, (laughs) I I saw tweets about it online and I was like, what is going on? (laughs) Somebody Photoshopping a pterosaur's head on like a, like an anime femboy. And I was like, what does this mean? And it's like, you know, I watched the episode. I was like, oh, <laughs> oh, it's a real thing that happened. <laughs> <laughs> this is, yeah, they have a, they have a, a, a nice little sequence. This was a, a very nice sequence. I like this uh, with bisexual pterosaurs and, and femboy pterosaurs. It was, it was pretty good. <laughs> Essentially the idea was Barbodactylus. They're the, the ones with the big antler crest. Yeah. There's a man trolling in this canyon uh, looking like a monument Valley in the U S and he's patrolling. He, he has a harem of females and he's killing, he kills all the other males trying to compete. And they're these sneaky 
males that are disguised as female pterosaurs that sneak into the colony, mate with females and, and kind of sneak out. And uh, he goes up, he goes into so the, the sneaky femboy pterosaurs in there. And the, and the, the, uh, like one with the big antlers tries to like a uh, courtship him and he, he moves on and leaves. So that's the bisexual pterosaur he's talking about. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so, talk, so you have the big male, right. Who's like, definitely like, like the sexual dimorphism and the males and the females are quite large. Like the male looks way different. Right. Yeah. Like huge giant elk thing on his head. And like, there's another male of a similar size that he tracks down and just takes out, right? He kills him. He smashes into the ground. It's yeah, he was like, I oh, can't God. shake him. I can't shake him. He kind of moment, right? He, he just... <laughs> and just threw him in the cannon wall. It was badass. Yeah, it was like, pretty badass. Yeah, I like that. That was cool. I was like, oh, they're fighting. And then I was telling my friend, I was like, man, he just bite him. He won. Let him go. And then he just like, smack. Yeah, dead. he didn't let him go. He was like, I'm going to teach you a lesson. Yeah. <laughs> and the lesson is you're dead. Like, you're not doing it again <laughs> yeah and so like i actually kind of thought of the movie revenge of the nerds um because like the big male jock guy was like oh i'm fine i'm clear and then the nerdy guy just sneaks in there and he's just like oh they'll never suspect me i'm weak i don't look like you but he goes over to the girl and he's like look i have a great cd collection <laughs> i got black nail polish you know i'm a cool sensitive guy and the chick's like, you know what? That's what I'm looking for. And he got laid. He got yeah. laid. Yeah, that's right. That's right. He did it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There were there were definitely, and then also there were definitely gay dinosaurs. Totally happens. It happens all the time. Yeah. I don't know. This was this was kind of cool because this is based on like actual sexual mimicry, uh, which is actually pretty common in the animal kingdom. Um, I know kangaroos do it, deer do it, cuttlefish do it. So. Bees do it, even educated fleas do it, let's do it, let's fall in love. It's, a, it's not unlikely that other prehistoric, like prehistoric animals had this kind of thing where males uh, had like sort of reduced sexual dimorphism and were able to sneak into and uh, pass the dominating males. Yeah. I mean, Prince does it all the time. <laughs> That's his whole thing. I mean, how whatever you got to do to continue your genetics, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's nature, baby. It, so, yeah, th when people hear survival of the fittest, they think it's like the strongest. It's no, it's not yeah. always that. No, you can be you can be sneaky and do whatever you got to do. It yeah. don't matter. I, I like this too, where it showed a unique environment for once, where like canyons and mountains and yeah, because they, so they were all up here on this like high point, you know, mm -hmm. they're like a civilization at the top of the mountain, and like, like I don't know, this scene was cool. I had the really cool fight, and then also like the the little femboy one flirting with the girl was like really cute, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they made I their cute he, little. He just like, moved on, and they kiss. And they kiss. They go. They with their beaks. They go like that. It was adorable. I liked it. I liked it too. It was a good little sequence. Yeah. So this is fun. This is pretty creative. You know this. This isn't something you see in every nature documentary. <laughs> yeah. This was like somebody went out of their way. Like, no, we're doing femboy pterosaur. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sticking my neck out for it. <laughs> <laughs>
Um, and then we uh we go to our last group of dudes, mm-hmm. and they are oh, astronomers. God. Yeah, I forgot I forgot how to pronounce their name. I wrote it down here. It's Ciceronosaurus. Uh, I call yeah, I just Cis- call them Roman nosed hadrosaurs. Yeah, so the, these are like the dinosaur that's the main character in the Disney movie Dinosaur. It feels like, like it. Yeah, those kind of dudes. Um, and basically, it shows them out in the desert, right in South America, and they're 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 having a bad time. They ain't got any water. Little baby guys like Dad, I'm thirsty, and the Dad's like, "Look, man, I don't got a job. What do you want from me, kid?" And and they don't know what to do. And so it's it follows their story as as one of the elders, the old wise ones, like. I will teach you a secret, other dinosaurs. You follow the stars, and they do. They wait. They wait to nighttime, and and this dinosaur, like he's an astronomer, and he he follows the Big Dipper, or whatever kind of dipper they got back then. I guess it's the same stars, right? Yeah, maybe it'll be the same. Yeah, yeah. they they got the Big Dipper. They got Ursa Major, and um, they follow it down to the coast, and like it's getting pretty rough, and they don't think they can make it all the way, man. They're, they're going over the hills and they're hating their lives, you know. It's like that scene in Better Call Saul. Um, in the desert, he drinks his own. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know the one, my man. And um, it's like that. And then they, they finally get them and they go over the crest. They see the Great Valley, just like Land Before Time. There's so much food down there. They're going to eat it. It's delicious. And it was a really cool scene. Because, like, um, it's kind of long and they stick with it for a good time. But seeing the dinosaurs navigate by the stars is pretty awesome, I thought. Yeah, I think so too. It was something unique because usually hadrosaurs and iguanodons and and stuff like that, the herbivorous dinosaurs are pretty boring. Like they don't give them much to do. It was good. They always end up as everyone's like least favorite dinosaurs. Oh well, yeah, because I mean, I mean, look at them, man. <laughs> they look like <laughs> they're like horses, like lizard horses. <laughs> they look like the most like middle of the road okay dinosaur of all the dinosaurs. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Nobody's winning any awards for them. Uh, they, they, if you put that AI generator and put boring ass dinosaur in it, that's what you get. You know? <laughs> but see, people don't know that they're they're masters of the stars. People might like them more now. So. Yeah, yeah. The thing with the the masters of the stars, you you researched a little bit about this. And I looked it up too. That like animals do use them. Um, like there's some birds, there's some moths. So and I, I also learned yeah, seal I th- too too. I think I'm going to talk about this more later when I can research it more. But basically, like, it's been wondered how birds can actually migrate successfully over long distances, right? Especially when they go over the ocean or like a desert, a place with almost no landmarks. Right. And like in the 50s and 60s, it was proposed that like the magnetosphere, like the actual magnetic forces of the Earth or how they were doing it. That And the thought process was there was a German scientist who brought this up. The thought process was. The magnetosphere triggers a chemical reaction in them, which then triggers a biological reaction that helps them know, hey, go left or hey, go right, right? Something like that. But eventually, but we never really knew for sure. And this is kind of one of the holy grails in, in, in biology and, and like the study of birds specifically or just biochemistry. Like what part of the body actually lets them use this magnetosphere? Like how do they do this? Like, right? Um. Because we don't freaking know. And a physicist tried to answer the question, not a biologist. And he just kind of looked at the the actual the chemical processes and things. And his hypothesis is that there's this thing called the... Um, and he found a particular molecule which has a quantum interaction 
which I will not explain, but you can find people that understand quantum physics well talking about it on YouTube if you want to. Um, but it has a certain quantum reaction um, that helps them basically see magnetism. Now, we don't know how they see it. It might just be like a shade or a color, but in some way, this reaction lets them see the magnetism and they can follow it. So wow. that's one of the leading hypotheses at this time. Now, we know that the molecule can work this way. We do not know that it does work this way or this is how birds use it, right? Because mm -hmm. he's a physicist, so he's just kind of breaking it down. But that that's one of the leading hypotheses right now. So it's possible that animals could navigate long distances like that. But also, some animals have been known to just use the stars. And like a good memory of the stars, dung beetles even do it, right? And, yeah. you know, they're no fucking Einsteins. <laughs> There's some cool experiments. Like um, I read one about seals using it and how they tested it is they got like a seal um, and they put it in a, a specially made planetarium with like a pool and they, they switched around the stars to like see if they were like they could use the like they would change as a relation to like what the star said, star map said in the the sky. Yeah, they, they hid birds too. They like hid the sky from them. Similar stuff. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah, I, I think it's something I might talk about later, like more in detail. But yeah, this is a plausible thing that these animals could have done. We don't know that they did it. You know, like this is this is kind of like another one of the bold claims. But I really liked it. I I I, I don't know. Something about it seems plausible to me. And um, it was a cool little family. And I like thinking of uh, astronomer little dinos. So. <laughs> there's like another bold claim like this in later episodes that i'll bring up too uh, the galileosaurs galileosaurs that'd be good better name yeah. for them yeah see let me name your dinosaurs <laughs> so yeah i like this one um i think it's about i think it's a 7.5 out of 10 i'd give it. oh he increased it Dang. so i like i like the little feathery dino and the rat uh the mono Monoclaw. Oh, it's Monoclaw. It's one claw's his fucking name. Why don't we gotta say it in Latin? His name means one claw. Just call him one claw. I don't I don't one know. Claw. You're not smarter because you're talking in Latin all the time. You sound like a priest. And let me tell you, priests <laughs> aren't very smart. So anyway, so yeah, I liked one claw. He was cute, looked like a little fox dinosaur. And I really liked the Velociraptor. I thought that was the best Velociraptor ever. So oh, nice. I'm gonna give this an a nine. I'm gonna give it. Oh, a, a really, I'm gonna give it pretty high. Damn, there's now a I lot. Like there's a lot I like in this. No, it's cool. And, and the the dreadnoughts are awesome. So. The dreadnoughts, yeah, the dreadnoughts are really cool. Yeah. See, yeah. dreadnoughts a good name. So give it a name. Just <laughs> well, dreadnought. I think of. I think of Star Wars when you hear dreadnought. Yeah, that's well. There are dreadnought class freighters. Da, da, da. Copyright strike. <laughs> also, I hope people don't think I'm stupid because I don't know all the dinosaur names that well. You know, I no, no. I know I, other stuff. I, I think dinosaur like people get really uppity about dinosaur names, like especially the paleontology community. I don't know if I want to get in on it, but it's like it can be a little <laughs> unforgiving sometimes. Yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> um, you know, look, I love dinosaurs. I love dinosaurs and I love the past. I just look, I, I made a big mistake in my life and I read every single Star Wars book and remembered all the EU stuff. I took up too much space in my brain and now no one wants to hear that shit anymore and it's just taking up space in my brain for no reason. So sometimes I'm going to forget the names of dinosaurs and you might say, well, my, Miles, that was a stupid thing to do. And look, I'm not arguing with you, but I did it, okay? And I'm sorry that I did it, but that's where I'm at, so don't make fun of me. 
<laughs> the Star Wars knowledge is important. I I think it is. It's like everybody. Nobody cares, game. man. No, nobody cares no. anymore. It's terrible. It's the worst thing. If someone <laughs> asks me when did this happen, and I tell them, and then a bunch of people that are um, fans of a certain mega corporation, they fucking tell me I'm wrong and I'm stupid and make fun of me and oh. don't like it. Don't have don't have a good time on the internet. Um, yeah, I had a good time talking to you though, Trey. Yeah, thank you, thank you. I've had a great time talking to you, man. I had a good time talking about a uh, um, prehistoric planet on the Plastic Pleasosaur podcast, and uh, it was a good show. I, I, I quite liked it. I'm excited for the next two episodes. I have not watched them yet. I wanted to like watch them closer to the review thing to save them, so I'd be more excited. Oh shoot! Okay, okay. Yeah, I, I mean, watched them all. Uh, yeah, I figured so. you did. I figured you did. <laughs> and like, I don't know, man. I just I wanted to watch them closer to where we're gonna do it. So I'm like, yeah, let's talk about them. You know? Yeah. Awesome, but good man. show. Good show. It is a good show. Um, it's a good show. One more thing I'll say about the show is I think that um they kind of got stuck in this like so there's this fallacy when flipping coins, right? So like if you if you flip a coin like and, and write down how many heads or tails you got, right? Mm. Um if you write 50 in a row, you'll get streaks where you'll get like seven heads in a row, then four tails and six more heads, right? You'll get weird streaks. But if you tell somebody to flip a coin in their head and write it down to predict randomness, they won't predict randomness because they they won't predict the streaks, right? People right. don't do that. Like they're, they're bad at, at that. And I think this show kind of does that with weird events. Because I, mm. I watched a couple episodes of Planet Earth, and there's some crazy shit that happens in Planet Earth. Yeah. Like, what, I was thinking of that, that lizard that like runs from like 150 different snakes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's great. Yeah, that seems impossible. That seems like made up, right? <laughs> like, you like, it's just like he runs through the valley of the elder snakes. Like, yeah. this is where snakes evolved from magically and were put there by the great snake gods. Every snake that ever existed lives in this fucking little canyon. And our little lizard guy, that's like a just, you know, plucky, everyday lizard guy trying to get ahead in life. He just runs through this canyon and all the snakes are like, die, 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 die. And he, he lives. He makes it through. He, he becomes like Spider-Man. From, the, from the, the, the coils of like one wrapping around him. Yeah, it's insane. It's unbelievable. <laughs> right? Yeah. That's what I'm saying. That's why it's like the coin. It's like an unbelievable thing that would happen. You're just mm. like, what the hell? And nothing really happens like that in this show because they're really concerned with, we want to make dinosaurs look believable and realistic and scientific. So that makes them be extra conservative. And so you don't really get any of those. I can't believe that just happened moment. Um, I, I feel like they think they can get away with that if it's real, obviously. Right. But that's kind of like one of the things that makes planet Earth so awesome. Yeah, and I, I, I think, agree, too. I think like if they did something like that, people would be like, oh, look at that. Face. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they would. They would. And that's kind of <laughs> not fair. And so I don't think anyone at planet or prehistoric planet did anything wrong being slightly more conservative you know right. i just i just think that that makes it not as good a show as as the actual real documentary which i mean you know that they're not real animals so yeah. but that's just one thing i felt watching it it's probably not a fair criticism of how good you could possibly do this show because this show's pretty damn good right mm. it's just one thing i was just thinking about watching planet earth than watching this and i was comparing them because this is basically the same medium so yeah. No, it, yeah. I, I agree with that. That's that makes sense. All right. Well, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, yeah, I really like the show. I'm excited for the next two episodes. Uh, 
The big duck build dude I want to see. The big hairy oh, guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dino. I, I finally heard how its name is pronounced because I always wondered how to pronounce its name. See, I know what their names look like, but I don't know how to pronounce them, so right. I'm always like kind of ashamed <laughs> to do it. So I'm just I calling him duck build guy. It was Dino Cheerus. Dino Cheerus. I think it's sure. Dino Kyrus is how he says it. It's hard, man. It's There's hard. a lot of Tolkien names that I pronounced to myself through the years, but I don't know how they fucking sound, you know? Mm. <laughs> um. But yeah, I'm excited for the the freshwater one. Which one's next? Which one's Ice next? Worlds is the one after. I, oh, Ice World. So Antarctica, or maybe not Antarctica, because uh, it would not be. Yeah, because it's not cold at this time, right? I won't. I won't reveal anything. I okay, I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> um. Oh, one last thing I want to say. I actually thought the geology was some of the most interesting stuff, like the whole gypsum sand place. Oh yeah, that was cool. That was something yeah. I, I learned through this. And, and yeah, I didn't gypsum, know gypsum deserts and uh, or dunes in in California apparently. So that was cool because that was like, oh, that's some weird stuff that I wouldn't even expect. Like right. a desert made out of an entirely different mineral group. I agree. Yeah. I agree. Some As cool geology. So yeah, good show. Really good show. Um, I liked recording this episode. This was fun. We'll do the next two. When we're done, we'll go back to Monster Quest. But I just thought, you know, this is kind of a special occasion. Get a big dinosaur show. We should do it. So Yeah, you don't get these that often. Also, um, I ordered that book that was like $80 for the Prince of Egypt. So oh. when that gets here, I, I will try to get my notes all put together for our Prince of Egypt special. Um, I'm trying to research it the most I can. So this can be like the most definitive Prince of Egypt um, discussion that we both two laymen that had nothing to do with the show could have. So <laughs> <laughs> do, you, do you think I should watch Prince of Egypt before we record and like take notes from that or just go in like kind of blind? Oh, shit. I've watched it like twice. Um, I don't do whatever I, I you want. Watched, I haven't watched it since I was a kid. So, uh, oh, what? Yeah, yeah. It's been a long what? time. I'm so surprised. By I, I saw, I saw like a couple scenes. Like more recently, I saw like the uh, playing with the big boys. Now you know that. Okay, so here, let's do this. Let's have you not watch it. I'll watch okay. it a few times, right? Okay. So we'll have both those perspectives. Okay. Okay. I think I, I, I took a lot of notes on like the archaeology and history side. Sure. Of it. Yeah, I and I will talk about that stuff, but um, I I know the Torah version pretty goddamn well now. <laughs> yeah, 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 and I think I have a perspective from like the animation storytelling side, so I think we'll have a good combo. I'm really looking forward to that. So. Yeah, me too. It's gonna be cool. Hopefully, we can figure out when to actually do that. But, um, we'll yeah. do it. But I bought okay. this book with our Patreon money, half of it. And Where, I paid for half of it myself. So. Yeah, what is it called? I want to see what it looks. Uh, like. The Prince of Egypt: A New Vision of Animation. Oh, a new vision. Which it's like oh. pretty rare. So it's eighty dollars. Oh, this looks really badass. This yeah, cool. it has so many notes on the thing. I felt like if we were gonna do this right, and people like very generously donated on our Patreon for us to do this. So I want to do it right, you know. So. Oh, this is awesome. It's showing like all like the concept art. Dang. That's awesome. Yeah. Dang. That's it's really awesome rad. Well, anyways, if you want to become a patron, you can become a patron at the uh thylacine or the uh Celia Cant level. You just a few bucks. Three or five dollars, and then you can ask us questions. You can vote on polls. You can do all kinds of stuff. See some extra content that we have there. We have a few clips from each episode, or at least a few episodes um, that we cut and don't put in the podcast. And we really appreciate people supporting us because you know, take a few hours of our day to do this, and a few hours of our day to write notes, and sometimes even more than that. So we really appreciate the support. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, Trey has a video coming out soon, so look for that. And um, I will be in Chicago for their big Comic-Con in a month or so. Oh, nice. 
Yeah. Uh, good talking to you, Trey. I am going to get some food because I'm starving. Awesome, awesome. Uh, I'll, uh, I'll see you soon. I'll get some All right. <laughs> Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs> Monster. I no, I feel deprived. I'd <laughs> I'll sneak one in. Yeah.